you ready to talk fantasy football? Then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Burke. I know I said this last week, Scott, but this may be the most excited I am for any fantasy football show the whole year because the knee-jerk reaction has occurred and we got a lot to tell the people on fantasy football at the end of week two. How you doing, my partner? I'm doing good, Mike. I know you. I know you're ready to go this week. You, we talked a little bit pre-show. You seem uh, extra hyped and uh, ready to go for this uh, week two recap episode. We're here on the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Podcast. We're gra- grateful that you're all with us. Happy to have you back. A lot to talk about from a fantasy standpoint. A lot to talk about from an injury standpoint. There's just a lot to talk about from week two. So uh, I'm ready to get this going with you. Scott, we used to play video games. Right? I remember Madden when you would call timeout and your players would like recover and they'd be refreshed and replenished because you just hit timeout. I am refreshed and replenished and ready to go for this podcast. So much to say. Opinions flying out the yin-yang. What do you say we get started? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right, quarter one, Scott, news and notes. And news and notes now as we head into the the later part of the year, as we get into the season, we're going to talk injuries. That's really the news and notes here that we got to get into. Unless, of course, somebody is fired mid-year like the Bengals offensive coordinator. But let's start with news and notes. Scott, Green Bay did not show up yesterday against Atlanta. Falcons rolled. Jordy Nelson, non-contact injury on the quad. Randall Cobb, MRI he had today on the shoulder. Why don't you give the folks an update on Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb? Yeah, I mean, once Jordy Nelson went down last night, you could kind of tell Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's it's odd to say that Aaron Rodgers looked a little lost, but he did early on when Nelson went down. You know, it sounds like both Nelson and Cobb escaped major injury here. You know, just reading some reports, it seems as if, you know, Cobb had an MRI. It looked like it was precautionary, and it, it kind of backed it up there. That The results showed there really was no structural damage to that shoulder, so Cobb should be good to go. I would take that on a day-to-day basis. Jordy Nelson also sounds like he missed significant time with an injury, according to Rob Domofsky of ESPN. He also thinks that this is just a day-to-day thing with Jordy Nelson. So the Packer fans can exhale a little bit. It sounds like both receivers should be okay. Would I be surprised if one of them maybe missed next week? No, but it sounds like you averted any long-term uh, damage there. And, yeah, like you said, the Packers did not show up at all last night. I mean, that, that house, that stadium, we, talk, we talked about this a little bit off air. How about that stadium Beautiful. in Atlanta? I mean, that just go. was yeah. visu- visually perfect on TV. That halo, they call it, that monstrous TV board. I mean, it. The stadium looks like it's going to give uh, Jerry World a run for its money. Uh, you know, Falcons looks like they got a nice, nice home field advantage now, and you know they look prime for a run. They they look good. The Falcons look good now. Vic Beasley uh, did 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 get hurt, and it looks like he's going to be out a month with a hamstring. So it's going to hurt that defense a little bit. But the Falcons look prime. They look they look like another NFC uh, run is in store for them. Let's head to the tight end position, Scott. Tyler Eifert, back and knee issues. Greg Olson, broken foot out six to eight weeks. Gronkowski had a groin. Tell me your thoughts, Scott, on those three tight ends. Yeah, those three tight ends, too. And you can even throw in Jimmy Graham with a sore ankle. Jordan Reed, surprise, surprise, he's got an SC joint oh, strain. Oh, in other me. news, sun rises and east sets in west with Jordan yeah, I mean, Reed. Enough, Scott. Oh. But just, just think of these names and the tight ends. I mean, who we're talking about here. We're talking about Tyler Eifert, Greg Olson, Rob Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham, and Jordan Reed. Are we talking about, what, five of the top seven yeah. drafted tight ends? Mm-hmm. And you... You're the king of anti-tight end. Don't waste a pick early in a tight end. You know, you you respect what Gronkowski does, but you are firm to your beliefs that Rob Gronkowski is not worth that early pick. And look, it also sounds like he escaped injury as well. He's going to be day-to-day, but 
it's just the history with these guys. Greg Olson, not so much. You know, Greg Olson sounds like you know it's unfortunate break. You know, no pun intended on the foot. Six to eight weeks. That's going to be a big loss for Carolina being out there. I mean, he is, you know, with so many question marks with that receiving core because you know Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches, they're there one week, they're not there the next week. Olson's always there. It's a big loss for Carolina. Jordan Reed, you know, both of us are not surprised with Jordan Reed. I don't think either one of us even attempted to sniff Jordan Reed in any type of fantasy draft. And between both of us, we might be in 30 leagues. So we have no stock in Jordan Reed. You know, Jimmy Graham, too, he's becoming soft now. You know, I feel like as, you know, he he's more and more years in Seattle. He take away those couple of big years he had in New Orleans. And you knew I was all over him back then years ago when he was, you know, Breeze's favorite target. But as time's gone, he's gotten soft, non-existent, you know, and so... And Tyler Eifert's another one. You can't count on Tyler Eifert either. Always, there's always hype about Tyler Eifert. He's, you know, this is a year he's going to break out and be a tight end. He can't stay healthy either. So I think this just furthers your point that tight end is a very volatile position. There are so many other positions you can look for for value. And uh, you got five big ones out there. Olsen, obviously the biggest one. He'll be out six to eight weeks. The rest of them could be day-to-day, week-to-week. The, the reason, Scott, you have to wait on tight end is because the only way that anyone out there should run their fantasy team is by listening to the people you trust and hopefully picking up the blitzes, have two of those people, and then making your own decision on your players. I don't want to hear what experts think. I am my own expert. You are your own expert. And we're hoping that the fans that listen to us are their own experts for their team and their matchups and their scoring system. Rob Gronkowski is the best tight end in football. It is not close. He is going to walk into the Hall of Fame. You know what, Scott? For that great game in New Orleans and that great matchup, he had 17.6 standard fantasy points. I'm looking at NFL.com right now because a lot of sites don't have out the updates. Travis Kelsey, 16.3. Jason Witten, great call by you, 15.7. Even Delaney Walker, who ran in a touchdown, 12.2. My point is, why am I drafting Rob Gronkowski in the first round? He's not going to produce this every week. He didn't against Eric Berry in week one. That's why you have to wait on tight end because they're all bunched up. How about Gerald Everett, 95 yards for the Rams? I'm just not going early. I have nothing to do with it. So these injuries shouldn't surprise you. There's plenty of people on the waiver wire. We'll get to that later. Not a big deal, but not surprising. No, not at all. And again, it's it's his big name. They're all big names. Again, Olsen's the only one that really you don't see on that list. He's pretty healthy usually. He's out there, you know, day in and day out, week in, week out. But the rest of them, they're 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 not uh, admits to being on the injury report weekly. All right, moving on. Rob Kelly, love Rob Kelly, huge Rob Kelly guy. He was hot, Scott. He was doing very, very well, over 70 yards on 12 carries. He left with a rib. It looks like it averted injury there, but he does have a fractured rib. He was in some issues. And, of course, hit the music. Uh, Jordan Howard, arm in a sling. Scott, I'm not going to talk about our bet. I'm not going to talk about an arm in the sling. I'm going to talk about the fact that he refuses to talk to the media twice. Hey, Jordan, listen up. Just because you don't have your starting guard, okay, and because you're the the between-the-tackles grinder that I said you were, and because your team has negative game script, and the only way you're helping them is by holding the clipboard, doesn't mean you don't have to man up and sit there and answer the questions. It's the second time he's done it, Scott. Let me guess. Oh, if he doesn't run for 1,400 yards, he goes crying like a baby? Enough, Jordan Howard. Enough. 
Yeah, listen, just let me know where we're going for lunch, uh, what day you want to do <laughs> you this. You never know, it's early. No, 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 no. And listen, not for nothing, your boy Melvin Gordon ain't exactly lighting it up, but Jordan be- Howard has just oh, been well, uh, wait, wait, terrible. Wait, Jordan friend, Howard's been he terrible. He is not lighting it up in the rushing yards. I will absolutely you're right, agree you're with right. you. You're right. He's still, he's still very- Hold on. My basis of the bet is that Gordon was a three down back. Have you seen Brandon Oliver, by the way? I'm waiting. I'm waiting Actually, you have. He had, I think he had four or five catches. Brandon <laughs> Oliver was out there. Well, Gordon, no, Gordon's this, got like 13, this, right, on the year? This, I mean, that's this, the issue. <laughs> listen, we're, we're, we're two weeks in. I mean, we've got a long way to go, but right now it's not looking good for Jordan Howard. You know, Tariq Cohen is there. He's getting his touches, even though he was not over, overwhelming. Uh, yesterday against Tampa Bay. So I get it. Jordan Howard, yes, please talk to the media. You walked out with your arm in a sling. You had seven yards on nine, seven yards on nine carries. I mean, you deserve, you know, the media deserves to hear what's going on here. Granted, you're not getting the touches you hope for, not getting the touches I hope for. Um, but yeah, just, just talk to the media. Listen, you're a second year running back. You haven't earned anything yet. I was high on you. Some people were high on you. A lot of people were down on my opinion of you. It is what it is. So far, they're, they're right. I'm wrong. But yeah, talk to the media. Uh, Rob just Kelly, talk, sound, man, just suck yeah, it up. Yeah. Be a man. Oh, I'm, with, I'm yeah, I'm 100 with you. Listen, I've been his biggest defender this whole preseason. We got into this with this podcast. We've had episodes. You can't find a bigger Jordan Howard supporter than me. I really liked liked what he did last year. I thought he really just burst on the scene quietly on a bad team, ran for over 1,300 yards, and I thought he would just have a nice follow up year. Listen, Tariq Cohen is he's taking away some touches, but I'm not sold on Tariq Cohen yet. I need to see that a little I'm more. I'm not because, either. No, I'm you know not either. I, mean? I just think I, it's you know, game flow. Yeah, game. It, it is. It's game flow. And listen, that game was out of hand early, and it, 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 as expected. So I, I'm open here. I'm, I'm honest. I'll tell you, I probably missed the boat on this. I got some time. Let me hope that you know Jordan Howard finds you know what he's looking for in 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 the in the running game gets back out there gets another shot and picks it up again I, you never know but right now it's not looking too good as far as rob kelly looks like washington avoided the scare here there maybe talks that it might have been a fractured rib but maybe it's just a rib cartilage injury cartilage cartilage injury and uh he's day to day as well so hopefully all is well on the rob kelly front cuz he was like you said running the ball really well I mean, Samaj P. Ryan came in, ran hard for, you know, got 12, 13 carries, did all right. And Chris Thompson was a big factor in the passing game. So even if Kelly's healthy, you may start to see, you know, another one of those three-headed monster backfields, which is becoming the norm across the league. No, I mean, it's just, what are it, three or four teams that got one guy and everybody else is kind of not getting touches? Every other team's got like three or four guys getting touches. It's crazy. Yeah, very true. And full disclosure with Melvin Gordon, again, the reason I made the bet is because of the, the third down proficiency that I thought he was going to have. He's second among all running backs for reception. Scotty's got 12. Tariq Cohen's got 16. But to be fair, and I'm, I'm full disclosure, he's averaging 2.48 yards per carry. Okay. So you're right. He's not exactly ripping yeah. it up. I just think his volume is there. I just don't think anybody's challenging them. But it, it, I, I don't think Washington is a three headed backfield. I have very strong opinions on that. We'll get into that in the Washington game. But I think we're going to separate the real fantasy players from the fake fantasy players on this. Yeah. But you know, but you've seen this more often than not when, you know, even if it's for a half a game, if a, if a lead back goes down and all of a sudden the second string guys are like a Thompson or a P. Ryan come in and they start to produce, at least that next week, you start to see the carries distributed amongst the two or three of them. Now, maybe it's not long term, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly suits up next week that you're looking at, you know, maybe a 50-25 split or a 50-30-20 split, something like that. Could, could that be 
impossible to happen? I don't know. I think this is where we earn our money, and I'll give my prediction when we get to that game. Moving on, what other injuries do we have? A couple of wide receivers, you know, young wide receivers, Corey Davis, who had a nice rookie game last week in his debut with six catches for six, 69 yards. He left the game with a, with a hamstring, really didn't do much yesterday against Jacksonville. And Paul Richardson, one of the guys I you know looked at as a sleeper this year. Great job. At, you know, Great caught, job. caught a touchdown pass yesterday, but also apparently dislocated his finger to the point where the bone popped through the skin. So that you know, doesn't sound good. sounds very painful. You know, hopefully they get that fixed. Maybe misses a game or two because I like Richardson long term. Even though that Seattle offense looks absolutely dreadful, we'll get to that in the recap. Um, and just a couple others on the running back front too. You know, your boy Demarco Murray, tight hamstring. He left that game. Derrick Henry controlled most of the touches in that game. And Terrence West, a little bit of a soft tissue injury. Not much else on that. I mean, Buck Allen was a big factor in that game yesterday for the Ravens. So. Yeah, that's what we're looking at on the injury front. And then the one big one that we found out about an hour and a half before kickoff for the Vikings after looking so good on Monday night against the Saints. Sounds like the Vikings kind of just went precautionary here. I mean, you're on the road. You're in Pittsburgh. It's an out-of-conference game. And you got four conference games coming up, three of them within division. To me, this felt like, you know what, this might be the spot to let Sam Bradford rest, try to get that knee healthy because, you know, it's been surgically repaired how many times. So... Sam Bradford missed that game against the Steelers case. Keenum played, and we know how that went. So, you know, hopefully Sam Bradford, because he's as good as he looked, you know, Monday night against the Saints. He looked like the guy that the Rams drafted years ago. Hopefully for his sake, he's still, he'll, he'll get back out there and be healthy. Yeah, they're playing precautionary, Scott, because they're bringing back Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, by all reports, is ahead of schedule. They're looking at week six, week seven. They're just trying to bridge the next couple weeks. So they're going on the road at Pittsburgh. They're not going to admit it. That was a tough place to win. That's a tough game to win in Pittsburgh home opener with all their firepower that they have. So I think they went precautionary. They're just hoping to bridge it here. Sam Bradford can't stay healthy. We've seen this his whole career. It's a shame because he's super accurate. Last year, he set a, um, a single season completion percentage record, but he can't stay healthy. They just want to make sure that he's in there as much as possible before Teddy Bridgewater gets that job back. Yeah, I mean, you know, but what if Bradford, you know, what if the Vikings go three and one in the next four games and you're sitting there and they're, you know, they're four and two and Bridgewater's ready to go? Can you really just say it's time no. to give the reins back no, to Bridgewater? No, 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 I mean, I, I mean, I think if Bradford's got them four and two, you know, you're going to, if the game plan is to ease Bridgewater in or bring him back, I mean, they got to let Bradford roll until it falls apart, no? Scotty, the best game maybe he's had his entire career, and he, he was walking around and couldn't start the next game. The guy, it's just unreasonable to think that he's going to stay healthy. So, of no, course, listen, it. if he's hot and there and he's throwing touchdowns, of course he's going to play. But Bridgewater's going to sit there with his helmet on on the sideline, knowing that invariably he will come in. And when he comes in, he'll take it over. Because I just can't trust stress Sam Bradford anymore. I'm done. I'm done with him. No, I I get it. I see where you're coming from. I just, you know, if if he's rolling, you're gonna play him, I guess, until he breaks. Let's put it that way. You know, you play him until he breaks. If he gets the Vikings as far as they can go, and if he can't go anymore, then you bring Bridgewater in and you see how that rolls. All right, let's hit uh, quarter two. NFC home games. All right, my quarter two. Let's get this underway. NFC home games is what we do week in, week out. We go NFC first quarter two, AFC uh, third quarter three. These are for the home team. So Carolina hosted. The Bills. Um, we talked in last week's episode about how I was kind of had the Texan Bengal game in the background and how that was going nowhere. Well, I predicted that game to be nine to three. I guess I should have pre- predicted this game to be nine to three. Panthers nine, Bills three. We already talked about the Olsen injury coming out of this, but you know who who was there? Anybody that actually factored in from a fantasy standpoint and. Did this game have any meaning to anybody? Uh, Nothing that factored in, but certainly things worth talking about. First off, congratulations, Cam Newton. 
Over 58% completion percentage, finally. Cam, great job. Great boy. 20 of 32, finally. Oh, this is like a record for him. He should be in the Hall of Fame for this. Greatest day, 20 of 32, finally. 228 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, 27 yards rushing. Folks, bench Cam Newton. Scott said it last time. He said it on the uh, on the preview. You got to bench Cam Newton. You're not playing him enough. Jonathan Stewart, Scott, 15 rushes, 40 yards. Now, remember, I mentioned that Sean McDermott used to be defensive coordinator for Carolina for many years. And when that guy comes back to play his old team, the game is usually close, and this one was. I still like Jonathan Stewart. I love the fact that he got 15 carries the most. He didn't do anything with them. I don't care. That makes him a trade candidate for me, and I would love to trade for him. Christian McCaffrey, eight carries, 10 yards. He did nothing. Folks, remember, he still is a rookie. Four receptions, 34 yards. But, Scott, he's not startable here in any format whatsoever. Even in PPR, I think there's better choices. I would say the Olsen injury hurts, obviously. But I think it helps Devin Funches. Now, listen, I know you should play Titanic music for me here right now. I've been on Devin Funches for many, many years. Benjamin was solid, six for 77. Funches, four for 68 with seven targets. Scott, you got to figure that's going to go up unless you think Ed Dixon's going to get a ton of, of targets here for for Carolina. So not much there, but things that you should look at moving forward. Going to Buffalo. I'm calling it right now. Buffalo's going to beat Denver next week at home. You can take it to the bank and whatever you want. I don't care what the spread is. I'll take the point in a nanosecond. I'm calling it right now. I'm demanding that you let me take that game in our picks, which by the way, you beat me. Well done. Buffalo's going to win that game. They're playing hard. Tyrod Taylor is a matchup nightmare. He ran for 55 yards. He didn't throw a touchdown or interception, but those 55 yards help his fantasy points. LaShawn McCoy couldn't go anywhere against Carolina because they have a really good rush defense. I think McCoy will run better at home. He had six receptions for 34 yards. Jordan Matthews is fine. They shut down Charles Clay. Zay Jones, two for 18. But I think Buffalo likes to slop it up. I think they're buying into Sean McDermott. I think the defense is going to be very, very good because he's an excellent defensive coach. They're going to feed Shady the ball, which is one of the few guys in this league, Scott, that who's going to get the lion's share of the touches on first, second, or third down. The only running backs I'm looking at here in this show sheet you prepared is LaShawn McCoy and Mike Tolbert. And Scott, Mike Tolbert ain't catching passes. That's for Don Shore. So McCoy's worth his weight in gold. Tyrod Taylor is always going to be decent with those rushing yards. I like the Bills next week against Denver, but this game, not a ton of fantasy. In fact, Carolina 9, Buffalo 3. If you picked it in survival, you were lucky. Yeah, two quick things for me. One, quick to you, Ed Dixon, does he get any value now? It's maybe a waiver wire tight end. Maybe if you need a replacement, is he worth anything? And then how about, how does Zay Jones feel right now? Did you see that catch off his fingertips with nine seconds to go? He catches that ball. They beat the Panthers and win that game 10-9. to nine. So, uh, you know, your, your call of uh, Denver losing in Buffalo next week might not be too bad because that Bills defense, for whatever it's worth, they're playing well. The offense can't move right now, but the defense is playing well, and Zay Jones was fingertips away from leading the Bills to an upset win in Carolina in a, t- in a real, real snooze fest overall. All right, moving on for you, Scott, here. You get the next game. You get one of the big ones. The Saints at home against the Patriots. It was a high-scoring game. Patriots 36, Saints 20. Patriots were hot early. Saints tried to keep up, break down the ton of fantasy implications for this game for Scott. Yeah, so if there was anybody out there that was doubting Tom Brady, if, you know, he was getting old, because, you know, you, you hear this every once in a while when they lose a game. Tom Brady, you know, he's father time's catching up to him. Well, folks, it's not catching him up to him at all. Three touchdowns in the first quarter, and then he basically put it on cruise control in the rest of the game. Brady goes for 447 with three scores. He does what he does against teams that can't stop anybody. And again, we said this last week. We'll say it this week. We'll say it for years to come because the New Orleans Saints defense just cannot stop anybody. I think 
some high school teams could put up 30 points against this defense. So Brady does what he does, 447 for three touchdowns. Yeah, on the running back side for New England, your boy, Gilly gonna eat, gets another touchdown, 18 carries. Gilly gonna eat! So it is pretty clear now after two weeks that he is the goal line back, and that's a great call by you. It makes sense. Great job there. He's got four touchdowns through two weeks, 69 yards. Even gets you some yardage points to go along with that touchdown. Elsewhere out of the backfield, no one really made much of an impact. Deion Lewis got four carries. James White got two. Rex Burkhead was involved in the passing game before he got hurt, but not much on the ground game. In the receiving game, we talked about Gronkowski. Before he got hurt, he was having a nice game. Six catches for 116 in the score. The injuries will always be a factor with Rob Gronkowski. So for the people that wasted, not not say wasted, but invested a first-round pick or a high second-round pick on him, Hold your breath because you're going to be doing that all year long because for as big of a guy that he is, he takes a lot of hits and some of them turn into long-term injuries. James White was thoroughly involved in the passing game, especially early on. Eight catches for 85 yards. So from a PPR standpoint, if you play James White, you got, especially full point PPR, you got 16 points and he didn't even score, score a touchdown. So that's very good there. Chris Hogan, I liked Chris Hogan going in. He was my sleeper for the week. Um, as far as, you know, week two going there and he five catches, 78 yards and a touchdown. So Hogan was involved. I thought, you know, that, that was expected with him not getting any action against Kansas City. Philip Dorsett and with the injuries, you know, Gronkowski maybe being out and Hogan got banged up a little bit. He did come back in the game and you know, Dorsett's somebody to watch now. He's got that deep speed. And if Hogan doesn't play or is hurt or, you know, get it can't come back or Gronkowski's hurt, you might look at Dorsett as being a guy that might get some looks three for 68 in the game for him. Talks about Rex Burke had three catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, I think it's pretty clear, though, in this backfield for New England, the one guy you can consistently start now is going to be Mike Gillisley. You know, the rest of the matchup dependent. I mean, if you need somebody to fill in, you can maybe look to a Burkhead because he looks to be involved in the passing game with James White. But on a consistent basis, it's Gillisley. And again, can we can we get rid of the revenge game narrative? Because now it's 0 for 3 in this league. And the first guy, Eddie Lacy, didn't even play last uh, yesterday. We'll get to that later on. But Brandon Cooks, two catches for 37 yards in his return to New Orleans. The, re- the re- revenge game, I'm done with that narrative. Don't give it to me anymore. Saints side, Drew Brees, 356 yards, two touchdowns. He did what we expected him to do, but they just the defense can't keep them in games. The running back situation, Adrian Peterson got some more touches, but they really didn't do much with it. Eight carries, 26 yards. Mark Ingram at 8 for 52. I think the only guy in that backfield you could safely start on a week-to-week basis is Mark Ingram. He also picked up four catches for 24 yards. Alvin Kamara did nothing in the backfield, one for three. Michael Thomas had five for 89, but I was expecting more from Michael Thomas. Uh, you know, I, I was high on him going into this year. I'm not ready to give up on him yet because that offense, he's in an offense that he could succeed in. Five for 89, no scores. Brandon Coleman, nobody really had him on the team, but he got 82 yards at a touchdown. Alvin Kamara caught 51 yards in the you know in the receiving game on three catches. Kobe Fleener a touchdown, three for 33. I think Kobe Fleener needs to be more involved as well. I mean, he brought him over from Indianapolis to be a difference maker tight end. Yeah, he gets a couple catches and gets a touchdown, but other than that, you, you don't see him out on the field. Then Ted Ted Ginn was a disappointment, three for 24. So what, what we learned in this game was Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. The Patriots are fine. Mike Gillisley will eat. So hashtag Gilly gonna eat. Watch for those T-shirts on the market very soon. Drew Brees is still Drew Brees. For me, it's Mark Ingram is the guy you want to focus on in the New Orleans backfield. And don't don't quit on Michael Thomas just yet. I just don't understand why no one caught on to Mike Gillisley. This isn't hard. I'm not saying that Mike Gillisley is going to get 25 carries, although he got 18 in this game. I'm not saying that Mike Gillisley is going to catch passes. Guys, teams do run the ball. 
I know we're into the passing narrative. They run the ball, Scott. And when they run the ball, it's going to be Mike Gillisley. And he's going to get the ball at the goal line. He's actually scored six touchdowns because two of them were called back. I I don't understand why more people were not on that. They're like, we don't know. New England running backs. What do you know about New England running backs? LeGarrette Blunt. What did you know about New England? Stephen Ridley, even when you're Jonas Gray. The guy, it's just identify the goal line guy. The other guys are, are, are sort of a little up and down. But James White has been great. He's really taken hold of that. Deion Lewis is on the side of a milk carton. Saints are tough. This could be it for, for, um, Sean Payton, Scott, because it seems like this run is coming to an end. And by the way, Adrian Peterson is good for nothing except for blocking Mark Ingram. Scott, I don't know if you can start Mark Ingram. He was not a top 25 running back this past week. He got outscored against the New England Patriots at home by Matt Forte and Lamar Miller. So, folks, if that's going to happen, then Mark Ingram is not startable, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I just think out of the three of them, he's the only only one you can put in if need be. Uh, yeah, Adrian Peterson, this is not what he expected, but I think this is what we all expected. I don't think anybody really expected him to go there and be a bell cow. So, you know, either he didn't see the right writing on the wall or we all did. Scott, you know what? You know what, ma'am? You know what I thought? I thought it'd be Mike Gillisley. Yeah, I mean, and he's not. And he's not. But you know what? I don't even know if he he really has it. I mean, they had their chances against Minnesota, but when they did, he really wasn't him getting those touches. So, yeah, I mean, he he could fit that Gillisley role, but he just, whatever, for whatever the reason is, through two games, he hasn't been given that opportunity. I mean, maybe it changes. I don't think it does. Uh, and yeah, as far as Sean Payton goes, it, it, we could be looking at the end of the run here. I mean, again, 0-2, and they're in a very tough division. I mean, Tampa Bay's improved, the Falcons are the Falcons, and although Carolina's not lightening up on offense, that defense could still play. So the Saints at 0-2 could be looking at a long season already, and we're only two weeks in. All right, Mike, let's switch it over here. Let's go to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay waited a couple weeks to play their first game, you know, due to the hurricane down in that Florida area. They hosted the Chicago Bears, you know, Jordan Howard, the Chicago Bears. We know all about that. Bucks win nice tidy game here, 29 to 7. Fantasy impact. Who impressed you? Did anybody disappoint other than my boy Jordan Howard, of course? Yeah, we beat the Jordan Howard horse. I'm not going to that anymore. Tariq Cohen is someone who, who has to be noticed here because he's the leading targeted guy and the most, and the most receiving yards here on the team. Kendall Wright had 10 targets, dropped a couple passes, seven receptions, 69 yards. If you needed a wide receiver three, he's not a terrible option, Scott, but Tariq Cohen is the best receiver and running back right now, especially if Jordan Howard's going to still be injured in this bear team. Everyone else, Zach Miller, no thank you. I can find better. Moving on. Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston. Scott, I like Jameis Winston. I am not sure now watching him, because I felt this way last year, he is not a high completion percentage guy. He was 18 of 30, Scott, against really a very soft on the road Bears pass defense. 204 yards, one touchdown. I don't know if he's quite going to crack the top five, six quarterbacks this year because he's still wild. He's not an accurate guy. He's Cam Newton, except he's on a better team. So he's okay, and I think he's a solid top 12 QB every week, but I think he's a bottom top 12 QB unless the matchup is right. I want to see a couple four touchdown games like uh, Derek Carr and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers do before I really move him up there. So I think there's a difference. And he doesn't get a ton of rushing yards so far. I mean, I need to see a little bit more of that. So I even put my hair behind Mariota. Jacquez Rogers, very strong first game. Question is when Doug Martin comes back, is he still going to have it? Rogers had 67 yards and a touchdown. Peyton Barber even got 10 carries. So if something were to happen to Rogers next couple weeks and you want to start Peyton Barber, I guess you could. Uh, Mike Evans, great. 93 yards and a touchdown. Very what you expected. Deshaun Jackson, Vist. 
of Ammon Jackson, three receptions, 39 yards. I'm not surprised. He's a home run ball waiting to happen, which you know is I have no interest in that. Cameron Bray, two for 24. OJ Howard is a rookie tight end. Adam Humphreys, why is he even on the field? So Tampa Bay did what they did. I think the Tampa Bay defense, Scott, is pretty underrated. They're pretty good against the run, as you can see. They've done some good things there. They've improved. So I like the Tampa Bay defense streaming moving forward. But overall, out of this game, Jack has Rodgers, really solid. Mike Evans does his thing. Kendall Wright, if you need a flyer. And Tariq Cohen's the man there. Mike Lennon, it's only a matter of time till it before they put Mitchell Trubisky in because there's just no point this season's going south fast. Yeah, I think that Tampa Bay defense is overrated. They uh, underrated, I should say. They played very well, and I think, yeah, I, I want to see more to Winston also. But I almost kind of feel like, you know, right early on in this game, they kind of felt like this game was over early, and they kind of just, you know, they handed the ball off nearly thirty times between Jaquiz Rogers and Peyton Barber. So I don't want to say they were on cruise control, but I don't think they went for the kill shots either. So I, I want to see more out of Winston as well. Mike Evans, nice touchdown catch. So yeah. Uh, the Bears are in trouble. Um, Jordan Howard, the writings on the wall. Tariq Cohen, you're the you're the man at this point. And Mitch Trubisky, we're seeing you soon. Scott, Seattle 12, Niners 9 on back-to-back home runs by Jay Buhner and Ken Griffey Jr. Talk about it for us. <laughs> I don't really know what to talk about in this game. I mean, you know, let me quickly pose it to you. Should, should we be worried about the Seahawks offense? I mean, is this – I know it's only two weeks, but – the Seahawks' offense looks terrible. The offensive line is brutal. Russell Wilson can't get it going. His receivers can't get it going. I mean, Wilson throws 198 yards and a touchdown. You know, maybe we got some clarity out of the backfield. I don't want to say yes for sure because this is the first game for Thomas Rawls, but he only had five carries for four yards. Eddie Lacy didn't even suit up, was inactive. How about that? How how quick they have, you know fall from graces for Eddie Lacy. Chris Carson, 20 carries for 93 yards. Doesn't score, but he was clearly the lead back here for Seattle. Doug Baldwin had six catches for 44 yards. And really not much to talk about on the receiver side. Paul Richardson catches the only touchdown with a dislocated finger and his bone popping out through his skin. <laughs> Jimmy Graham with one catch, one yard. I don't even know. I don't know what to say about Jimmy Graham at this point. And Tyler Lockett went six for 64. Listen, see, Seattle gets the win. I mean... This game was, you know, very, very unentertaining on the four o'clock slate. You know, San Francisco side, unless Brian Hoyer's just, I guess, just not the answer. But it's a tough place to play. Ninety-nine yards and an interception. No one's playing Brian Hoyer anyway. Carlos Hyde, you, you talked about him last week as having a potential to have a sneaky good game. Listen, he didn't score, but he ran fifteen times for one hundred twenty-four yards and he caught three passes. So Carlos Hyde is the San Francisco 49ers offense. Period. If he stays healthy. He's worth a play. I mean, if you put up 124 against the Seahawks defense in Seattle, you caught my attention. Matt Brieta had four carries for 35 yards, but no one's playing him at this point. And there's really nothing to talk about on the San Francisco wide receiver side. I mean, Garcon and Goodwin both had the same line, three for 26. It's going to be a long year for San Francisco, and they got a quick turnaround Thursday night against the Rams. But I, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm a little worried about Seattle. Uh, they just, yeah, they did nothing in Green Bay. They did nothing at home. I really expected big things. This was my only loss on my picks this week. I really expected them to go out and pound San Francisco, but they just, you know, it took a late touchdown to beat a team that's really not going anywhere offensively, that's for sure. One of the biggest travesties I see in the NFL is the fact that Seattle absolutely refuses to address their offensive line issues. He basically is rolling out Scott Russell Wilson on every single play. The guy is a phenomenal quarterback. I'm defending him left and right on Twitter because they're like, his numbers aren't there. Scott, they're going to get better. 
And he's going to have the three or four game run where he throws 15 touchdowns at the end of the year. I just don't know what the problem is, why they refuse to address the offensive line. Chris Carson is the man, as you said, moving forward. I'm not like buying completely because couldn't you see like a couple weeks from now, Rawls coming in and doing well or something like that? No, absolutely. They don't have a second receiver because the line is terrible. Jimmy Graham's got to stay in and block. So he's useless. And I'm with you. Carlos Hyde is legit. He's involved in the passing game. Kyle Shanahan uses his running backs. He's a poor man's Devonta Freeman. I think you got to try to trade for him and get him. And Matt Breida, Scott, he looks good. I, I, sometimes you got to go by the eye test. He looks good and he looks fast. So I would team backfield both of these guys because if Kyde gets hurt, Breed is going to be a very, very good player. And poor Pierre Garçon, gosh, he's a, a, lot, a lot light years away from the 113 receptions with Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator in Washington, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had to know what he was getting himself into, you know. And I don't know how much longer do we see Brian Hoyer? Is it going to be C.J. Beathard soon, or uh, or do they ride the wave here with Brian Could Hoyer? Could be. Could be soon. Next one on for us here: Redskins travel to L.A. to the Coliseum play the Rams. The Rams ultra impressive week one. They beat up the Colts on defense. Scenario was a little different here. Redskins on the road, looking for their first win. Redskins win this game, twenty-seven twenty. Talk to me about this one. This is why you can't overreact from week one. The Rams had a really good defensive showing in week one. This one, not as much. They did okay. They did all right. Aaron Donald came back. He said he looked winded. Uh, They had two sacks on the day. All right. They had no interceptions. Uh, They had no fumble recoveries. The Redskins are, are a decent team, and they came across and they showed it. Todd Gurley, Scott, we'll start with the Rams. Todd Gurley is very underrated. 16 carries, 88 yards, receiving game, three receptions, 48 yards, and a touchdown. He had two touchdowns. He is, Scott, if you're going to win at fantasy this year, you need to get one of these running backs that dominates the opportunity share for the team. And Todd Gurley is one of those guys. The line's a little bit better with Whitworth over there from Cincinnati. The receivers aren't great. Cooper Cup only three for 33. Josh Norman over Watkins two for 30. Gerald Everett had a nice long 69-yard pass. He's okay for a bi-week replacement if you want. And, and Jared Goff is okay. I think he's a year away. But, I mean, if you really were stuck in two QB leagues, you could use him. Or if you were really stuck in a bad bye week you could use him at home if you wanted to. Uh, but this is to me, this is all Todd Gurley. He's one of the underrated guys out there. He was hurdling guys, Scott. He had two hurdle moves. He looks very, very aggressive and very, very good. Moving over to Washington, Kirk Cousins is getting there. It's going to take him a while. He doesn't start off the year well, but he gets going soon. 18-27, to 27, only one touchdown. Rob Kelly, Scott, looked tremendous. 12 carries, 78 yards. Samaje P. Ryan came back in, had 21 carries for 67 yards. Let me explain to you. I don't care about the 3.2 yards per carry. I care about the 21 carries. Whoever is starting next week. Samaje P. Ryan or Rob Kelly must be started. They must be started because there are just not that many running backs that are going to get that sort of volume. You're talking about 33 carries, Scott, between those guys. That's almost more than than, than whole teams had rushing-wise in most of these games. So Kelly looked good. P. Ryan came around. Chris Thompson looked great, but let's not knee-jerk reaction. You're not starting Chris Thompson, okay? He had the 61-yard touchdown run, okay? And then he had a 15-yard reception. He had 29 receiving yards. So please, it's not Chris Thompson. It's Thompson. It's Samaj P. Ryan or it's Rob Kelly. You want the first and second down running back guy because people still run the ball. They don't pass the ball 70 times a game and run at five. So someone's got to get those carries. Jordan Reed, I'm done. 
We talked about this. He's always injured. There's always a problem. Six for 48. I have no interest. I want consistency. I want to know who I can go for there. I have no interest in Jordan Reed. Terrell Pryor was very disappointing, Scott. Only four targets, two catches for 31 yards. He's clearly struggling developing a rapport with Kirk Cousins. The guy who looked really good, though, but now he's injured again is Jamison Crowder. Four for 47, and he was super fast. Vernon Davis came in. He's never lived up to the replacement when Jordan Reed goes out. He has not been as good as, as everyone thought he should be and as he has the potential to be. So for Washington, Crowder, if he's healthy, I think he could get better. Terrell Pryor, hang on to him. He'll come around. He was not good for th- through the first two games last year as well. But Rob Kelly, Samaj P. Ryan, I'm targeting them both. I'm going to try to get them both. I think you should. We're in a lot of leagues together. I don't care. Because I like the guy who's there, who's the lead running back. I'm not getting Chris Thompson. I think the average fantasy fan makes a mistake by going for Chris Thompson. Yeah, I think I think I agree. I think Chris Thompson is going to be the guy people target, but I think he's going to be the wrong guy. If Kelly's out, you're going to want to get P. Ryan because, like you said, 21 carries is important. Quick thing here, the Rams. I, I know the, the stat line wasn't huge, but I, I do like what I see out of Jared Goff. I think it's improvement again. Week two, he looks like a quarterback. He looks like he knows what he's doing, like he's got a handle of this offense. And Todd Gurley is just running hard. Like you said, he's hurdling people. He is out to make amends for last year. He looks really, really healthy, and I think that's the key. So Todd Gurley, if if someone wants to sell him or trade him to you, jump all over that because Todd Gurley looks legit right now. And, uh, you know, to me, that's the, the two important things, especially in the Rams side going forward, is Goff and Gurley, and they both look like – they're taking the necessary steps forward. All right, last NFC game because we're not going to do tonight's game. Atlanta against the Packers. Atlanta 34, Scott. Green Bay 23. Big high-scoring game. Fantasy points all over the place. Give a summary. Yeah, well, quick shout-out to you. You called it last week. You said uh, last episode played Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. They both found the end zone. Freeman got two touchdowns. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan early on was finding Julio Jones. Finding the receivers, got down within the 10-yard line, and Freeman took over with a couple of scores. With Matt Ryan, goes 252 yards and a touchdown. Doesn't sound like a big line, but he was consistent, played well. Packers had this game in hand. This you know, game was a lot uh, more of a blowout than the score indicates. It was you know, 31-7 at one point, 34-10, so the final was 34-23. Matt Ryan, you're starting him anyway, so it's irrelevant. Devontae Freeman, like I said, two touchdowns on 84 yards, and Tevin Coleman, 42 yards on six carries. He also added a touchdown on two carries. Julio Jones was Julio Jones. You're starting him every week, 5 for 108. No worries there. Another good call in this game by you, Muhammad Sanu. Five catches for 85 yards. If someone picked him up off the waiver wire and needed an injury replacement, that was a good pickup. Then everybody else really didn't get much involved in the passing game. A little bit of a disappointment was your boy Austin Hooper. He had his two catches, but this week it was only seven yards. Uh, so you, you, you're looking for a little more out of that position. But, again, the, the, the Falcons had this game in hand early, and it was just you know pretty much over from the get-go. Aaron Rodgers, 343 yards, two touchdowns. A lot of that, I want to say, in garbage time because they were chasing. So Rodgers threw the ball a lot, but he got his got his numbers as well. So you're starting him every week. Ty Montgomery has turned out to be one of the elite, I'm going to say elite fantasy running backs because, again, there are, like we've said, there are not many backs that are just going to get the bulk of the touches. And Ty Montgomery is now one of them, and he offers you dual threat. Only 35 yards on the ground on 10 carries, but he did get a touchdown. Six for 75 in the receiving game with another touchdown. So Montgomery was one of my key DFS plays, and he let up, lived up to everything I was expecting. Another guy you said, you called this game pretty good here, Devontae Adams. Eight for 99. You said he'd be the leading receiver. Now, I'm pretty sure you didn't know Jordan Nelson would be out injured. No, but not that, at all. I got lucky on that one. Not <laughs> but, you know, we don't know how that would have played out. But, again, he goes eight for 99 in the score 
Randall Cobb, consistent, 6 for 60. Martellus Bennett had a couple drops, it looked like, in this game, but then 5 for 47. He needs to be a little more consistent and get involved because he could add that that big tight end threat, and he could eventually, if he gets his game together, could be a top 5, top 6 tight end with all the question marks at that position. And Geronimo Allison returned from a suspension. If Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb are out any period of time, I expect Geronimo Allison to get a little more involved in the offense. He had three catches for 24 yards. But, you know, a lot of fantasy stars in this game. Pretty much everybody that produced, somebody played on somebody's team. And you got pretty much what you expected. You know, the key there was a Jordy Nelson injury. That's a killer if you have him. But it sounds like you lucked out, and it's only going to be a short-term thing. But the Falcons show that they are, once again, an NFC threat. Um, Again, they beat the Packers by 11, but this game really was not that close. Yeah, this was an exciting game. Uh, certainly, was it was a good Sunday night game because sometimes you don't get you know quality games across the board there. But Matt Ryan was fine. You would expect him Scott to be better. He looked so good early on, and they were crushing Julio. You were big on that stack. I mean, gosh, he had like ninety yards in the first quarter. I mean, it was rolling there between Ryan and Julio. But when they get down to the goal line, Freeman, even with the contract, is the red zone choice, which is why he's worth his weight in gold. But that's also why Scott, you're going to team backfield drift if Devonta Freeman ever gets hurt. Tevin Coleman's top five running back. I mean, it's just that simple. But he's a guy who they like to go to. Sanu is solid. He's going to give you those 80 point, eight game, eight, uh, you know, fancy points, seven fancy points, wide receiver three production. I think Taylor Gabriel is the guy who's getting pushed out here, quite frankly. Disappointed in Austin Hooper. I said to you on the podcast last time, I would be shocked if Austin Hooper was not a top 12 tight end. He was not. He had two receptions for seven yards. Goodness. But uh, going back to opportunity share really quick. Ty Montgomery, worth his weight in gold. He stays healthy, Scott. He's a top five running back. He catches it. He runs with it. He does everything for this team. Ty Montgomery, big time running back this year in fantasy. Absolutely. All right, ready to go to quarter three, AFC? AFC, let's do it. All right, back for the third quarter here. Um, we touched about talked about this game a little bit last episode because it was going on as we were recording, but let's wrap, wrap this one up. Let's give it a bow on this one. Texans-Bengals Thursday night, a absolute snooze fest. Uh, fantasy impact, you know, I think there's a couple big things that came out of this game, you know, on the negative side, but yeah, you could talk to us about that. First thing I want to say right now is this. If you own AJ Green, R-E-L-A-X, there's a difference between a wide receiver like Des Bryant or Martavius Bryant, Martavis Bryant, who gets three fantasy points when they have a bad game. And AJ Green, who gets seven fantasy points in a bad game. They have a new offensive coordinator. The fact that he was not getting the ball, Scott, at the end of the game when both starting cornerbacks for the Houston Texans were out of the game is mind-numbing. Mind-numbing to me. A.J. Green's going to be fine. I think he's going to have a monster game at Green Bay next week. The running back situation is very muddled. You may want to trade for Joe Mixon now. Jeremy Hill is going to start to get phased out. Mixon, 9 for 36. That's at least four yards of carry against a tough Houston rushing defense. Giovanni Bernard is involved, but this offense was so disgusting, it's really not even worth talking about many many things about. Listen, Andy Dalton's fine. He's going to be dropped. He will get better. There'll be a home matchup. They have an easy schedule this year, Scott. One of the easiest ones according to Sharp Football, uh, Sharp uh, Metric Football, according to Warren Sharp's Football Digest. 
Jesus. According to Sharp Football, they have one of the easiest schedules this year. So Andy Dalton later on down the line, bye-week replacement. As far as Houston, I like Deshaun Watson. It was a nice run. He had a nice 49-yard touchdown run, longest uh, quarterback run in, in Houston history. Very nice. Lamar Miller, we played the music for him. He's still going to get the goal line carries there. So I guess it redeems some value. But the offense just isn't very good. The only thing I like about this offense is DeAndre Hopkins is going to eat. Deshaun Watson at least knows one thing. He knows that Deshaun, DeAndre Hopkins has to get the ball every single time. So DeAndre Hopkins is getting it. He's therefore going to be at least a wide receiver too. Maybe even better if he catches a touchdown. I do like Deontay Foreman. I think he looks better than Lamar Miller. But overall, really boring game, snooze fest on Thursday night. But relax on AJ Green. He's going to be fine. Yeah, AJ Green will be fine. But you know, you say the schedule is easy, but you know – Next week, Cincinnati goes to Green Bay. I mean, you're staring at 0-3 in the face going on the road into Green Bay. And the Ravens go to London to play Jacksonville. And the Steelers go to Chicago to play the Bears. So it's very possible that after next week, the Bengals be 0-3 while both Pittsburgh and Baltimore are 3-0. So no matter how easy that schedule is, you're three games out, three games in. It could be a lot to, a lot to come back from. All right, next AFC home game we're going to move to. Let's get on to the Sunday game, Scott. First one we'll take a look at. Pittsburgh Steelers at home, brought in Minnesota. Word broke early that Sam Bradford's not going to play in this game, which should have changed the fantasy outlook in a lot of ways. Pittsburgh 26, Minnesota 9. Yeah, I think before the Bradford injury, this was uh, one of those games that you know people had interest in. A big you know NFC-AFC game, and Minnesota looked great Monday night. Steelers got the win against Cleveland. Didn't look overly impressive, but people know the Steelers will be fine offensively. So I think there was a lot. You know, a lot of intrigue in this game. And then, like I said, about 11.30, we broke the news that Sam Bradford was out. He really did nothing in the warm-up. Case Keenum was in. It changed the complexion of this game. I think the line went from 5 to 10 in a blink. So the Steelers go out. They win this game 26 to 9. Uh, look, offensively, the Steelers, again, not overly impressive. They put up 26 points. They get four field goals from Chris Boswell. Early on, Roethlisberger only had three three completed passes. We were talking midway through the second quarter. Now, you know, two of them for touchdowns. But... The Steelers' offense took a little while to get going. He finishes the day 243 and two touchdowns. He's going to be fine. You play Ben Roethlisberger if he's your starting quarterback. He's that fringe top 12, top 10 fantasy guy. So if he's your guy you're rolling with, you play him. Yeah, he played a nice game on the road. I know they're on the road next week, but at Chicago, I think that's a safe play for him. Anyway, Le'Veon Bell, a lot more involved this week. The numbers don't jump off the page, but he got 27 carries, 87 yards. He will only get better. You're going to play Bell, no question about it. Receiving Antonio Brown, five catches for 62 yards. There's a lot of a lot of forced throws here. Uh, Roethlisberger was throwing this ball to Brown a lot, forcing the ball to him. Got it to him a couple times. They they didn't connect a few times. Uh, it's clear, and it's always been clear that Brown is the guy for Pittsburgh. Uh, Martavis Bryant, listen, I know you say the three catches per game, and I get it. I came out and said he gets a touchdown every five catches. So we're two games in. He had a three-catch game. He's got five catches on the year. He's got a touchdown. Oh, boy, so, that's spoon doctoring. Oh, go. my so, goodness. Because they, they, you they knew were, were that if he had three away, catches, were, he'd have one touchdown. They, ah. two inches, they were two inches away from him. I mean, another big play. He just missed him again. Oh, here we go. The line. just this, missed him calls. Oh, oh we got points. Uh, just missed him. Ah. There's, no, there's no secret that I do have the NFL Sunday ticket. And of all the games I'm focusing on, I would be focusing on this game the most. And we you all know why. Say. But. Tell me more, Mr. Objective. Two inches regardless. He got his 91 yards. 
He got his three catches. He got a touchdown. This week, if you played him, you got rewarded from a PPR standpoint. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's not fantasy relevant right now, but he was on the field a lot, catches a little shovel pass for a touchdown, so look for him down the road. Not anytime soon, but just watch to see how he gets involved with the Steelers. Jesse James, again, was a tight end. Vance McDonald was inactive. James got banged up a little bit early in this game, probably affected his uh, contributions. He had four catches for 27 yards, and then Eli Rogers playing the slot role, four for 43 and not really playing him. The Steelers' offense will be fine. I know there's a little bit of concern. People are they're getting off slow. I think they're going to right the ship on the road next week against Chicago. Move over to Minnesota. No Sam Bradford. It was a tough blow for them. Case Keenum comes in. He doesn't turn the ball over. He only got sacked a few times, but 167 yards. No one was playing Case Keenum. Anyway, Dalvin Cook, 12 for 64. Dalvin Cook is an NFL running back. I think he is been very impressive through the first two games. Now, he did have a 33-yard run. If you take that off, he went 11 for 29. However, he was on the field most of the game. He is the workhorse there. Again, he's one of those few situations where I think he is the guy, the only guy you really need to worry about. Latavius Murray has been a non-factor. Jarek McKinnon, you're not playing him anyway. Kyle Rudolph at 4 for 45. Kyle Rudolph needs to do better in a game like this because with no Sam Bradford, he needs to be the guy that Case Keenum can rely on. He wasn't a, much of a factor. The Steeler defense is good. I think the Steeler defense is also a bit underrated. I think people worry that the secondary is bad, but that linebacking core in that front is good, and I can take a tight end out of the game and take the running game out. Adam Thielen, 5 for 44. Again, he would have been the other play with uh, Bradford out and Keenum there. Stephon Diggs did nothing, 2 for 27, and that's really all there is to talk about on the Minnesota side. So a tale of two games for Minnesota. Lights out against New Orleans with Bradford at the hell Monday night. Next to nothing on the road in Pittsburgh with Case Keenum. Monitor the Bradford situation, like we said. They have four games in a row coming up against the NFC, three of them against the NFC North. So, again, we both think that that was more precautionary to get him out, keep him healthy for the games that are going to mean a little bit more in the next uh, month or so. You know, all those people on Twitter, Scott, and you with the Martavis Bryant love. Do you realize how foolish everybody you sound? I'm right. You're showing me that I'm right. Do you think when I talked about Martavis Bryant, I didn't think he was going to catch touchdown passes this year? Did you really think that my prediction was three receptions per week, 48 receptions, no touchdowns? So you're pounding your chest about the touchdown catch. He had three catches. If you people want to use Martavis Bryant in your lineups and wait for one, two, three catches, and pray to God that one of them's a touchdown. No, thank you. I will take Golden Tate. I will take high reception guy. He is what he is. He is feast or famine. Because he scores a touchdown doesn't mean that I'm wrong, Twitter folk. So you can bring it. And you can bring it harder than that because I was right. I look good on this. He's three receptions. When you drafted him in round four, did you say, well, he's only going to get three receptions, but that's, he's going to have one of those bombs. Yeah, okay. That's like starting Andy Dalton and saying he's going to throw, you know, under 50%, but he'll throw three touchdowns. You sound like a fool. Congratulations, Martavis Bryant owners. You got your touchdown. I look forward to next week because you only got three shots at it. One, two, three. Yeah, well, it's two weeks in, my friend. He's got five catches, over 100 yards. He's got a, he's got a touchdown. The Absolutely. Started, He'll keep offense, going, baby, just like Alan Hearns that one year. He had Listen, one touchdown not, every he's six not, receptions. He's not, he's, not, he's not going to have 40 receptions on the year. He'll have much more than 40 to Absolutely. 48, as you're predicting. Because of the small sample size, right? The small sample size. We're going to go to that argument again? Let's, let's talk week 17 and see where we stand at the end of the year. 
Next up is the AFC bracket here. Cleveland, first AFC North game, road game for Deshaun Kaiser. Went into Baltimore to face the Ravens. Ravens win this game 24 to 10. Just a couple of injuries in this game. A couple of fantasy impact players. Let us know did any, what matters, what doesn't. You know, I felt bad for Deshaun Kaiser, Scott. I'm rooting for the kid. He was only 15 of 31. You nailed this playing in, in the AFC North on a road game. You're in trouble. Three interceptions. He got benched. Kevin Hogan came in. Isaiah Crowell, you know, he's a guy you may want to target here because he's going to get volume. Duke Johnson is not cutting into that volume. So the volume's going to rule. I think they have a good offensive line. I think they just got to get some better quarterback play. So he may be a buy low guy right now if you're looking for a running back. Receiving, I'm not into Rashard Higgins. I know he looks really good. He looks like a great receiver there. He runs great routes. But uh, Kenny Britt is is not there, okay? He, he may be cut. Uh, Corey Coleman broke his hand. He's out. So you're looking at Rashard Higgins. If you really needed a waiver wire pickup, I guess you could go there, but he's only a wide receiver three. Duke Johnson needed a miracle catch. I was happy to see David Njoku catch a touchdown because you know I'm a big Njoku fan. Only three receptions, 27 yards, but they're going to your new Richard Rodgers. Pretty much, but I mean, here's the thing. He's young and they got to throw to somebody. I mean, Richard no, Rodgers. No, you're on, right. Richard Rodgers exactly. beyond Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, and Randall Cobb. Uh, here he's behind Richard Higgins, and he's battling Seth Deval. I mean, I, I think he, you know, I don't know. Bi-week, got a shot. Bi- got a bi-week shot. replacement, maybe? Uh, he'll be better than Richard Rodgers. That's for though. He can't be any worse. Going over to Baltimore, Flacco, solid, 217 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Guys, Terrence West got the touchdown early, but he did hurt his hamstring, I think, Scott. So then Javorius Allen came in and ran actually very, very well. This is where you have to go deeper. Don't drop Terrence West, okay? And tell me Javorius Allen is now a three-down back. Javorius Allen is a superior pass catcher. He had 35 yards, five receptions, and one touchdown. So he's the safe play there for for PPR, but I still think West is going to be the lead back. They're not making Javorius Allen a three-down running back, folks. So if Terrence West is healthy, fine. If he's not healthy, then you can throw Buck Allen in there as a bi-week replacement, much like Kerman Williams, but we'll get to that in a minute. Benjamin Watson, <laughs> eight, Benjamin Watson, eight receptions, 91 yards. I like Ben Watson, Scott. Uh, he led me to another win in Scott Fishbowl, a dominating win. So I'm 2-0 in the Scott Fishbowl, which is great. And Benjamin Watson is doing a, a fantastic job. Jeremy Macklin, he got hurt. Scott, he came back in. He had a little three-yard out. He caught a touchdown. So he, I guess he's the, the receiver to use. Mike Wallace, drop him. He only one reception for seven yards. So not a ton of fantasy stuff here. Baltimore's defense is tremendous. We know that. Not sure how they're going to do. On a, in a road game in London, you said next week. Not sure about that, but uh, overall, not a ton here. But if Terrence West is healthy, I, I would not drop him. Javoris Allen, though, looks like the big winner. Yeah, I think Buck Allen, Javoris Allen's going to be the guy here. Uh, he looked good both both facets of the game, running and receiving. Uh, with Ter- Terrence West being a little bit banged up, I wouldn't be surprised to see Buck Allen be the um, be the number one guy in the short term anyway for Baltimore. Next one up, Scott. Uh, the aforementioned Arizona Cardinals go on the road and win a very close game, 16-13 at Indianapolis. There's sneaky fantasy impact here. Talk about it. Sneaky fantasy impact here. Um, Carson Palmer looked a little bit better, I guess you could say. 332 yards, a touchdown, an interception. He still looks old to me. The running game is a crapshoot. You're all over Carl Williams. I'm all over Andre Ellington. Andre Ellington, I think, is going to be the guy that's going to offer the most value down the road. You can crush me on that in about 30 seconds. He's on the field more than Kerwin Williams. And I think Chris Johnson offers more value than Kerwin Williams does going forward because he was on the field more than Kerwin Williams. So from a running back standpoint, the loss of David Johnson's crush is a crusher for the Cardinals, but someone's going to have to fill that void. And for me, I think the most versatile back is Ellington. 
Chris Johnson, 11 carries, 44 yards. The aforementioned Kern Williams, 9 carries for 22 yards. Ellington at 2 for 11 in the backfield. Receiving-wise, it was J.J. Nelson's day to shine. Uh, 5 for 120 in the score. I know you played him in one of your leagues. You went back and forth between him and Macklin. You got this call right, even though Macklin scored, but Nelson with a buck 20 in the score. Larry Fitzgerald, very quiet, 3 for 21. So 21 yards in a game where Palmer throws for 332. That's a bad game for Larry Fitzgerald. I think we expected more. Andre Ellington caught three three catches for 12 yards. He was targeted five times. That's why I just think he offers value that more value than Kern Williams does. And when John Brown out, Jerron Brown in, four for 73. So Nelson was the big impact here. If John Brown's out long term, maybe Nelson's going to be the de facto number two in the passing game. But the Cardinals get a win, a game they probably should not have won, 16-13. On the Colts side, I feel bad for Jacoby Brissett. He played well into this game until overtime. He throws that interception. And you kind of forget about what he did. The line doesn't really jump out at you. 216, no touchdowns and interception. But it felt like he managed the game well for, you know, being in that system only a couple of weeks. I thought he held his own. Uh, but again, that interception in overtime was costly. First game of the over, first game of the year in the new overtime rules, that 10 minute condensed period. It only took about two minutes for the Cardinals to win that game off the pick. Running game, Frank Gore scored a touchdown, but 14 for 46. I think it's at this point in time you're not really starting Frank Gore anymore. But if you're not starting him, maybe you're not starting Marlon Mack. We talked that maybe he'd be the guy. Six carries for negative three. He did nothing in the game. Jack Doyle proved to be Jacoby Brissett's safety net with eight for 79. Jack Doyle's a playable tight end, especially, I think, with these two quarterbacks. With Brissett, who's probably going to be the guy until Luck comes back. But if Tolzien was ever back in there, I think Doyle is probably the guy who benefits the most. T.Y. Hilton, we talked about how well he's played without Andrew Luck. Not so much this week, 4 for 49, but I think T.Y. Hilton is still a buy-low candidate. So if someone's offering you a trade for T.Y. Hilton, take a shot if it makes sense. Dante Moncrief falls in that feast or famine category. He just, you can't rely on him. He's dropped a couple passes. Kamar Aiken at 3 for 31, but no one's playing Kamar Aiken. And Marlon Mack, 1 for 11. So, you know, I was impressed by Brissett. He's not going to be a fantasy impact guy at all. I just thought he played well for the Colts. And, you know, we could discuss the Cardinal running backs and who's going to be the guy. But J.J. Nelson, I think, made the biggest statement here, probably going to become the number two here in Arizona. Let me just get this straight. So, Scott, if you're Bruce Arians, you're looking to your coaching staff and saying, I want Andre Ellington to be my three-down workhorse. I'm not saying he's your three-down workhorse, but here's the deal. He 30 snaps to Curran Williams, 18. And now you tell me that Andre Ellington's only a third down back. Well, last time I checked, there's more first and second downs than there are third downs in the game, which means Ellington was on this field more than you thought he would be, more than anybody else thought he would be, which means the coaching staff trusted him more than Curran Williams. Curran Williams did nothing. Nine for 22. He did nada in this so game. You didn't, I'm not, so I'm you, not didn't, you didn't watch the game. game. So you didn't, watch, saying, you didn't watch the game. What did, what, what did Curran Williams do so you didn't want you didn't watch the game. What did he do oh, in this okay. game? All right, so now we're going to analyze Did you stats. watch this game? So I did. I ended up watching because you were so adamant with this ridiculous knee-jerk reaction. What's the knee-jerk? Knee jerk. Kerwin, Ellington, you Ellington, wrote hashtag knee-jerk. You Ellington, wrote it in a Twitter account. What's hashtag knee-jerk knee on Kerwin Williams. Williams, Williams. Kerwin Williams was the lead running back. They couldn't run the football. Chris Johnson ran for 44 yards. They couldn't run the football. Chris Johnson ran for more than Kerwin Williams. He, Yes, very and this good. Game wasn't out of and hand. Marlon this Mack game. had negative three rushing yards. Good. I can read box scores too. That's this is great podcasting radio right now. Let me tell you. They tried to run the ball with Kern Williams and could not. Chris Johnson is five million times the running back that Kerwin Williams is. He was signed on Thursday. This is about Ellington. Of course, Chris Johnson is the play moving forward. I was not advocating for Kerwin Williams to be the starting running back for the Arizona Cardinals. 
for the next five weeks. It was for this week. They couldn't run the ball. You're so bragging you about you Andre me, Ellington had two carries for 11 yards and three receptions for 12 yards, so and you're I, beating your chest. Are you out I'm not of beating mind? my chest. I'm not beating my chest, but are you telling me Chris Johnson is a 25-carry running back? No shot. He's not a 25-carry running Chris back. Chris Johnson I, is the guy an 18-carry running back. He was CJ2K, which is a hell of a lot yeah, more than well, Andre Ellington. You are he was salty CJ, he because was you drafted Andre back. Ellington in 2014 stop, in a second-round pick and you want to stay with it. it. Cue the Titanic music. He was CJ2K back in 2K. All right. In a PPR league, Andre Ellington's going to be on the field more than either one of these running backs. He's going to offer more value. None of these backs You're are going to be. He's 5'9", 199. Is he the size of your dog? How big is Darren Sproles? He's what not Darren Sproles. Are you how, out of your mind? How oh big? How big? You gonna go five nine? How big is Darren Sproles? He's all he's five. He's not four. Darren Sproles. Oh, Are I'm you kidding saying, me? I'm not saying he's Darren Sproles, but don't come out with me. His height, his weight, whatever it is. The bottom line is, from a PPR standpoint, if you're playing fantasy football and David Johnson was the go-to running back and and running and receiving. There's only one guy on this team that can do both, and it's Ellington. And in the system, he's going to be the guy to get more touches. He, he, he's been on the field. He was on the field more than both of them. He was on the it's field the because they couldn't move the football. And is that an so he's the passing down back. The Cardinals down twenty to three, my friend. This game was thirteen thirteen going the overtime. Scores irrelevant. Points. The score 30. is irrelevant. They couldn't run the ball. The Colts stuffed Todd Gurley, and he averaged like two point nine yards. Yards per carry on the road last week, and they stuffed the Cardinals. So, Scott, if you're the head coach of Bruce, if you're Bruce Arians, and the score is 10-3 in the fourth quarter, you're running Curran Williams off tackle? All I'm telling you here is that the guy that offers most value from a fantasy standpoint is the guy that can play both facets of the game. He can't and play first and second down. He's never been able he to do it. He obviously did. He's never. He's not able to do it. He cannot run the, the football. You're yeah, bragging because he had three rushes. Four yards of carry over his career. He averaged, he was on he averaged the field 5. more than 5.5 yards per carry in 2013, which 5. was four 5. years ago. They were okay. so impressed with that incredible 5.5 percentage that the very next year, they said, let's give him 200 carries, in which case he produced 3.3. Then since then, he's had... 45 carries and 34 carries. He is not is a three down back. Here? He is a third down passing down back. There is no, Kerwin Williams was the lead running back. He couldn't do anything. Andre okay. Ellington is not a three down back. I'm not saying he's going to be on the field getting 35 You're telling me he's Darren Sproles. I'm saying he's going to be on the field more than both of these running backs and he's going to offer you value. I think Kerwin Williams gives you nothing and I don't think CJ2K from 2000 is going to give you anything either. I think if you're playing, if you have to play an Arizona Cardinal running back, the one that has fantasy use is Ellington. That's it. All right. Listen, I are, you have I'm, your opinion. I got mine. We'll see how this one plays out. No, I'm already no, we're going to make it interesting because this opinion is asinine that Andre Ellington is going to have more points than Chris Johnson. Provided health, end of year total, Chris Johnson, Andre Ellington. I will take Chris Johnson, provided that neither of them get uh, no injured. No provided in the health. No provided health. The last I checked, the Gordon Howard thing had nothing to do with health, so no provided health. It's fine with you me. It's, it's fine with me. Andre Ellington's always hurt. I'm trying to help you out because Andre Ellington's only going to be on the field. You're going by snap share in a game that they couldn't move the football. Chris Johnson could have two touchdowns against the Cowboys next week. 
Jacksonville Jaguars hosted the Tennessee Titans. Titans coming off a loss to Oakland. Jacksonville manhandled the Houston Texans. This game was out of hand. Well, it's got a slow start, but got out of hand late. Titans 37, Jaguars 16. What did we learn? Tough one here. Very tough one. I think the, again, the pundits in the fantasy community are not analyzing this game correctly. You're hearing that Derrick Henry is so much the better back than DeMarco Murray. Hold on a second. DeMarco Murray could not move the ball against a very, very good Jacksonville defense. That got As war- expected. As expected what? Murray couldn't run the ball against the Jacksonville defense. Why was that expected? Kareem Hunt, Derrick Henry. I don't know what that means. Is this is is Mike Singletary playing for the, the Jacksonville Jaguars? Is this Richard is this Richard Dent? DeMarco Murray struggled in the first half against the Jacksonville defense. And then as the Titans do, they wear you down. He got injured. He hurt his hamstring, which has been hurt since training camp. So Derrick Henry comes in, runs all over the Jacksonville defense at the later part of the third quarter and most of the fourth quarter, and people think there's a running back issue. There's not. Scott, Derrick Henry can't catch passes. He cannot catch passes. So unless you think David Flewellen is going to take a massive role as the third down back, although if he's in Arizona, I guess he can, to Derrick Henry, then that's fine. DeMarco Murray is still the main guy there. Now, if DeMarco Murray is injured and he's not playing next week, then wheels up for Derrick Henry, which is why I should, you should hashtag team backfield because you plug Derrick Henry in. But when DeMarco Murray is healthy and he's playing, he is going to be the lead guy there. Marcus Mariota, I was very impressed with. 15 to 27, not a great percentage, but he had a touchdown an interception. He ran for 24 yards. Tennessee receiving was odd. Delaney Walker had 61 yards. You said it last week that you feel that he's very safe and he is. He also had a rushing touchdown, whatever that means. Richard Matthews, again, is the top receiver there. Eric Decker had three catches. Uh, Matthews did do it a little more yardage. Corey Davis, you said stay away from him. I totally agree. Enough of Corey Davis. He played against the Raiders, which just had Jermaine Curse up two touchdowns. So let's take it easier on Corey Davis. I think he's someone who you're really not starting right now, maybe at the end of the year if there's an injury. As far as Jacksonville, it's just a darn shame. You called Alan Hearns over Marquise Lee. That was very good. I liked Lee in PPR, but Hearns got the touchdown. He had 82 yards and a touchdown. Leonard Fournette. Scott, I'm still not a huge fan of Leonard Fournette. I think there's better option, but certainly he's getting the amount of carries, 14 carries, 40 yards. He had a touchdown. Chris Ivory's starting to get a little more work, so I think you got to be leery. But this offense is a shame because Lee could be pretty good. Hearns could be pretty good. But as long as Blake Bortles is throwing that ball, they're not going to be very good. I think Jacksonville's defense is decent. People may drop them, but they just got tired against Tennessee, which is what Tennessee does. Yeah, Tennessee wore them down. Uh, I don't think I don't I don't think anybody should jump ship on Jacksonville's defense yet. They're still strong enough. Uh, you know, like I said, I I, I mean Derrick Henry's not taking his job unless Mar- unless Murray is unhealthy. I mean, if Murray's not healthy, then it's Henry's job. But he, like you said, he can't catch passes out of the backfield. Uh, it's still going to be a long year offensively for Jacksonville. One of the marquee games of the weekend, the Chiefs at home with Kareem Hunt in their high-flying offense against the Patriots with the big win, come home and face a Philadelphia Eagle team that, Scott, I thought was going to be in a lot of trouble, but it wasn't. Chiefs 27, Eagles 20, closer than I thought. Break it down. Yeah, this is probably one of the best games of the week overall. Chiefs win this game, like you said, 27-20. The Eagles were in this game on the road. They were in it. You know, They had a chance, a late Wentz interception, I think, set this game up. The other way for the Chiefs, Alex Smith, 251 yards and a touchdown. So efficient, no mistakes, did what he had to do to help the Chiefs win this game. And Kareem Hunt, week number two, again, another impressive game. Uh, 13 carries, 81 yards, he scored twice, caught three passes for 28 yards. So it wasn't quite the Patriot performance, but again, it was still was very rewarding. 
for owners who drafted him either 80th or in the second round, if you did in later drafts. Um, also rushing, really nothing else there. Alex Smith at four for 21. And Charkandrick West was uh, nowhere to be found in this game. So I wonder if that's more of an in- indictment that uh, or an indicator that Kareem Hunt's going to be the pure number one guy here because West was nowhere to be found in this game, running or receiving. Travis Kelsey had a big game for the for the Chiefs. Both tight ends actually had pretty big games. Kelsey goes eight for 103 in a touchdown. You know, when healthy, you're going to play Travis Kelsey because right now he's probably the de facto number two tight end behind Gronk, and Gronk can't stay healthy, so you never know. Kelsey might be the guy to be number one overall. And other than that, receiving-wise, guys that you're probably not playing, Chris Conley, 455 in the air. Tyreek Hill, disappointment, four for 43. And then, like I said, Hunt got his three for 28. The Eagles impressed me going into Kansas City in this game. I know they lost it, but they impressed me. You know, I think you thought this game would be a, a blowout. Uh, this was one of your picks, I believe. But the Chiefs uh, and the Eagles, the Eagles played well. 333 and two touchdowns for Wentz. He draws that costly pick late, which ultimately cost them the game. Wentz also rushed for 55 yards on four carries. I think the big, the big thing here out of this game is where was Legarrette Blunt? He did not run the ball one time. It was Darren's ball. Oh, oh, Scott, I know where it is. Hold on a second. I think I hear him right now. Boy, that graveyard's filling up fast, huh? Yeah, that, that, that theme song's getting a lot of action in this podcast, that's for sure. Uh, Darren Sproles led the way with 10 carries for 48 yards. Wendell Smallwood, I thought, might have been more involved. Not really. Three for four, three carries for four yards. So a disappointing run game for the, for the Eagles. Zach Ertz, back-to-back weeks, making me look good. Five catches for 97 yards. I think Ertz is finally going to take that step towards the elite tight end role with Wentz. He has a nice connection. Alshon Jeffrey surprised some people. I know he surprised you. Seven catches for 92 and a touchdown. So he was involved. Torrey Smith was on the field, four for 66. And Nelson Aguilar, after that big game last week, he does catch one pass. It was for a touchdown, but only for nine yards. So Aguilar goes back to what we've seen in the past from him. So from a fantasy standpoint, you got to be impressed with Carson Wentz. I mean, it's a tough place to play in Kansas City. That stadium's always loud. The fans are loud there. And he went there and put up a big number. Again, I know the interception cost him the game, but overall, from a fantasy standpoint, you got to be impressed with Wentz. That's a, it's a big spot to go put up those numbers. I mean, Kareem Hunt now, two for two. He's definitely the lead guy at this point. Um, it's his job to lose, and right now he's winning it. And the tight ends with big games, both Kelsey and Ertz. i got to give credit to Carson Wentz, Scott. He's good. 333 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. I love 55 yards rushing. And guess who they get next week, week Scott, in Philadelphia? <laughs> Their home opener, the New York Giants. Oh, baby. Great call with Zach Ertz. He looks like he's going to be a top five tight end the entire year. Alshon Jeffrey, yes, it did surprise me. Alshon, if he stays healthy, maybe he can do some things here. Nelson Aguilar is terrible, as you mentioned. But Jeffrey may be better than I thought he was. 92 and a touchdown, like you said. To the Chiefs, listen. There's no way the Chiefs are giving Kareem Hunt 90% of the rushing opportunities for the remainder of the year. If they do that, he's going to get hurt. I'm going to say right now. I'm going to predict uh, an injury. But can we relax here with Kareem Hunt? He had a 78-yard touchdown reception. He had a 54-yard run. And he had a 53-yard touchdown run in this game. You take that run away, Scott, and you're talking about 28 yards on 13 on 12 carries. I'm just saying this. Kareem Hunt has been light years better than I thought he would be. He's been a phenomenal start to the year. 
but I want to see him do it. I do not think that a third round draft picked out of Toledo, who is supposed to to lick up Spencer Ware's remains when he's done the entire year, can continue at this pace. And Scotty's a very big play guy. He was not finding daylight at all. That's all I'm going to say. Three receptions, 28 yards. I don't think he can take an Ezekiel Elliott or Todd Gurley-like workload. Travis Kelsey, 8 for 103, was great. So overall, Chiefs, nice win. Eagles, tough loss, but they're coming home for the Giants. Dear Lord. Listen, if I can't say if with Martavis Bryant almost catching a fourth pass, don't say if with what Hunt does with the big runs. Just so saying, far, I'm saying two, facts. So far, I'm saying facts. So, so far, two weeks in, he's as productive as you could have hoped. I'm saying for. facts. I'm it's a big. Saying I'm saying. I'm saying. What are you talking about? It's the same argument. Martavis Bryant. I know, but under- you're telling me I can't do Martavis Bryant catching. He just missed the fourth not reception. What, it would have been a second not, touchdown. Not, oh, and enough tell me, with but, the what ifs. With the everybody has what, what ifs. You just said to me, what if he doesn't break off Scott, a fifty-four yard run? Scott, I said he's three receptions every game. He got three receptions. Who I'm cares? T- now we're talking about Hunt. Now you said, what if he doesn't Kareem break off a fifty-four yard run? Kareem Hunt has gained hundred and eighty yards on three plays, and I'm supposed to assume, oh, that's normal. He'll get that every week. Listen, that's what I'm supposed to say. That's, two, a, that's good two, fantasy analysis. He's on pace for three thousand yards. They're two and zero, and he's the number one ranked running back right now. That's uh, all. That's all you got to worry okay. about until, oh, until something else happens. I that's forgot. It. I forgot this. I forgot you're an end analysis guy. So if Trevor Simeon has more fantasy points than Aaron Rodgers, he's better than Aaron Rodgers. That's all there is to. I'm saying right that's now, all. end of the game. You're finding ways to try and knock the guy. Okay, that's what you're trying to do. You're finding ways to knock the guy who's done nothing but produce in two games. I'm not saying he's doing it for 16 games. Produced in three plays. Right now. Three plays. Okay. Three plays. Whatever you you say. Three plays. Trevor Simeon's better than Aaron Rodgers. Had more touchdowns, right? It's that easy. Next up on the docket, big blowout win in in Oakland. The Raiders against the Jets. I think we all expected this. You know, the Jets hung in there for a little bit, but then this game was blown open. Raiders 45, the Jets 20. Big game for a couple of the C's. Talk to me. Yeah, I went with this one for Survivor. I thought it was really safe. 45-20. Derek Carr, three touchdowns. Please note, though, guys, not a lot of passing yards. Now, I know they were up big, but be careful with Derek Carr because if he doesn't throw for a lot of touchdowns, he's not the Tampa Bay game excluded from last year, a 400-yard passing guy. Jamie Eisenberg had Marshawn Lynch, uh, number one overall. He was solid, but he was exactly what you said when I brought that comment up, comment up to you last week. He's not going to be a guy who's going to bang out 150 yards and three touchdowns. So he had the touchdown there, but so did Jalen Richard. So did Corderell Patterson, by the way, which was really nice. Tyreek Hill, basically, before Tyreek Hill existed. Michael Crabtree, three touchdown catches. Your Amari Cooper uh, um, owners have to be immensely frustrated. Why is Crabtree getting three touchdown catches? Is it because he didn't get any last week that they're targeting him? Very up and down, but you like this stack. This was very good. The Crabtree and Carr stack, and it worked. Three touchdowns, that's all there is to it. Amari Cooper, only four for 33. Jared Cook, I'm just not impressed with. I've never been impressed. There's too many people here who are going to get the ball. DeAndre Washington is going to get some passes. Clive Walford's still around. I just don't buy the Cook hype. I've fallen for it way too many times. With the Jets, I like Jermaine Curse. I thought he was going to have more points than Martavis. Good call by you. I just thought he's going to get garbage. (laughs) And he got garbage. That's exactly what he got. (laughs) That's a a good call. No one was playing Jermaine Curse, so that's a good call. And here's the other one, except for the guy who won the million. I looked at his lineup on DraftKings. But uh, uh, Bilal Powell, it's just a shame because Matt Forte is there. Matt Forte is not only there, he's doing a decent job. He had 53 yards rushing. He had four receptions for 38 yards. He is going to block Bilal Powell for so for all those fantasy analysts that talked about Bilal Powell being a PPR machine and how he should be my RB2. Stop it. 
Stop it, please. Jeremy Curley, only three for 14. Robbie Anderson has not lived up to the hype. Josh McNown is what he is. He actually wasn't a terrible day, but there was a lot of fisticuffs in this game and cheap shots. Raider defense, Khalil Mack's always going to keep you in the game at home. Poor Jets are 0-2. Raiders flying high, 45-20. to And how about a shout-out for the Raider kicker, by the way, Scott? I think I have to mention this. No Sebastian Janikowski, but they have the uh, Giorgio Tavecchio, who got the game ball last week, by the way. So uh, a shout-out to him. He may be an under-the-radar kicker. I don't want to talk about fantasy kickers, but the guy got the game ball. I think he's got to be one Hey, listen, listen, he's been cut by six teams in his career. He finally gets a shot here, and <laughs> he's done nothing but lights out kick him down the middle that's what you got to do keep your job with janikowski out so good for, good for him it's a good story um yeah the, the marshawn lynch like i said uh, this game had blowout written all over it so unless lynch got his three touchdowns early he wasn't going to be the number one back i mean it's a bold move by eisenberg but just didn't work like i said rashard picked up one you know it car car again only 233 touchdowns and all three to crabtree that that, that offense is is high powered but you don't know who it's going to be each week i lucked out with the crabtree car combination this week, but you know, next week could be Cooper. Um, listen, the Jets, they, they, you can see the players are trying. They're playing hard, but they, they just don't have enough firepower. And then, yeah, Bilal Powell owners, you got outrun by Elijah McGuire, so that's a problem. So jealous you get this next game, Scott. The Dolphins win at Los Angeles 19-17. to Is there a more snake-bitten team in the NFL than the San Diego? Now, take that back, the Los Angeles Chargers. Kicker Young Hoku last week makes the kick against Denver, but gets frozen on a timeout by Denver, ultimately then gets his second attempt partially blocked, and he misses it, and the Chargers lose in Denver last week, and then he gets another shot here to redeem himself at home in front of that packed 25,000-seat stadium in L.A. at the StubHub Center, and he missed it again. Chargers lose this game 19-17. to Your boy was very impressive, Jay Cutler, on the road, first start as a Dolphin in, L- in L.A., 2.30 with a touchdown, controlled the game, did what he had to do. It was very impressive for his first game as a Dolphin. Jay Ajayi made me look bad. This least week won 28 carries for 122 yards. He looked good. He ran with a purpose. Uh, Devontae Parker, the, the big talk in the preseason, he had four catches for 85 yards. But how about Jarvis Landry? The yardage isn't there, 78 yards, but he had 13 catches on 15 targets. So it was obvious Jay Cutler had a connection with Jarvis Landry. Kenny Stills gets the touchdown and a, and a 15-yard touchdown pass, so Kenny Stills gets that. Jay Ajayi adds two catches for four yards. On the Chargers side, Phillip Rivers, 331 on the score, so Phillip Rivers continues to play really well. We talked about this a little earlier. Melvin Gordon, only 13 yards rushing on nine carries. He does score a touchdown, but so far the rushing numbers are not there. I think he said about two and a half, two point six 2.6 yards a carry. It's been pretty abysmal on the rushing side, but he continues to stay involved in the passing game. Seven catches for 65 yards. Keenan Allen, 9 for 100. Hunter Henry gets 7 for 80. And Antonio Gates gets the record breaker. You called this one on Twitter. Gets the record. Only two catches. Too easy. Too easy. But he gets that record record breaking touchdowns for tight ends. So Antonio Gates finds the end zone. And Tyrell Williams, 4 for 54. Travis Benjamin, nowhere to be found in this game. So from from this standpoint, it's a big win for the Dolphins. You know, with that extra week off. They don't get to play the game at home. They now go on the road to the Chargers. Chargers coming off a tough loss to Denver. You figure the Chargers be ready to go, and they were. The Dolphins get a nice win on the road. Um, I think Jay Cutler you're going to look at down the road. I would not be inclined to start him just yet. Let's see a couple more games, but he could be a very good fit there for Miami for this year. Jay Ajayi proved me wrong, played very well, so he looks like he's going to be a guy to roll with going forward. 
And, you know, I think that wide receiver uh, situation begs a little question. Like I said, all the talk is about Devontae Parker preseason. Jarvis Landry gets 15 targets. So that's worth monitoring to see who's going to be the number one going forward. The Chargers side, again, they just they find ways to lose. It's it's unbelievable. I've, I've never seen a team with so many heartbreaking losses. We can go back to a game you and I watched very closely a couple of years ago. Le'Veon Bell stretching at the oh end zone with no time goodness. left. I mean, oh I know you remember that one goodness. well. But how many times can the Chargers lose these games? And you got to feel for the young kid, the kicker. I don't know how much longer he's, his days might be numbered in L.A. So Dolphins win a, a tight game, a good game, 19-17. And, you know, the fantasy guys that needed to make an impact, they did. My dynasty team rolled because of this game. Somehow they let me get, as my dynasty running back, Scott, for this year, Jay Ajayi, Devontae Freeman, Melvin Gordon, Tevin Coleman, Ty Montgomery, I will say this about JJ. If he stays healthy, Scott, I think he's the number one running back in fantasy football. He had 28 carries and no one else. Kenyon Drake had one and that's it. He got the ball every single time. The game script for this team is going to be to pound Ajayi until he's carried off on a stretcher. Now that may not last the whole year. But while it's lasting, you have to go with it. Jay Cutler gets to minimize his mistakes. This was a tremendous win. He's got the Jets next week. Then he's got the Saints home and the Titans home. Folks, Jay Cutler is a massive pickup right now. Go for it. I also think Devontae Parker, you can get cheap because Casey Hayward was all over him the entire game and he still had four catches for 85 yards. Last note on this one, Scott, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is in lockstep with Phillip Rivers. He's myopic. He has tunnel vision on Keenan Allen. Nine receptions, 10 targets, 100 yards. He looks for him every single time. If he stays healthy, he will lead the league in receptions. Big time fantasy points in this game. Big time across the board. Yeah, Keenan, healthy, Keenan Allen stays healthy. He's going to be a weapon going forward. This was a, you know, a Jai, a Jai looks good for the Dolphins. Like I said, this was a good game all around from a fantasy standpoint. Final game on the docket for us in Denver. This was one of my games I liked a lot. Well uh, done. Denver, well Denver, done. Denver, Denver, three-point underdog at home. I just didn't get it. The Cowboys didn't impress me against the Giants. So Denver hosted the Cowboys. Broncos win this game. It ends up being a route 42-17. to 17. Who looked good from a fantasy standpoint and who didn't? Scott, you said uh, Denver getting three. They win by 25. That's the call of the year so far. So put that one up on the board. This was a tremendous job by you. I'm not buying Trevor Simeon. I don't want to hear about it. I know he has the four touchdowns. We're all fired up about it. Folks, go deeper. Don't give me the obvious answer, which is, hey, Trevor Simeon's actually pretty good. No, he's not good. He's not good. They've had two games at home against the Chargers, and they destroyed the Cowboys. Great job. Let's see Trevor Simeon on the road, and then we'll talk. Nice game. Very happy for him. No one was starting him. Let's move on. C.J. Anderson, same thing. I don't want to hear it. I don't hear about CJ. We've seen this before. He won people fantasy championships back in, I think, 2014. Four-game sample. Five-game sample. Congratulations. You ran for 118 yards and a touchdown, and then you caught three passes and a touchdown in the comforts of Mile High Stadium. Let's see how you do, CJ. Let's see you do it at Buffalo next week, because you're not going to. You've never done it in your career. You've been given a million opportunities, and Jamal Charles is just waiting for the first opportunity. He's done a good job. He's been fine. 
I don't want to hear it because he hasn't proven it because he's done this repeatedly for a short sample size. The guy I love is Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders is Antonio Brown light. He gets open. He's fast. He runs great routes. He's fantastic. Demarius Thomas is okay, and he'll get his, but the guy I love is Emmanuel Sanders. He had a touchdown drop last week. He had two touchdowns in this game. Tremendous. He looks as fast as ever. To the Cowboys. The book is going to be that Dak Prescott struggled. Really? Really? That's fantastic. So let's try this again. Your team, your star running back has nine attempts for eight yards. And really, here's the problem with Dallas. It's not Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's fine. He was 30 of 50, which is 60%. That was a terrible day. Still threw for 60% against the new fly zone, right? Okay, catchy name. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. Scott, the problem is he has one receiver. They have no second receiver. Cole Beasley is a minimal slot guy. He's he's okay. He's solid, but he's not a second receiver. Terrence Williams is terrible. Bryce Butler does nothing. They have one receiver, and he's jamming the ball at him. Scott, he had 16 targets at Des Bryant, seven receptions, 59 yards. Now listen. For all you people out here who are beating their chest, yes, he had more receiving yards than Ted Ginn. Congratulations. We're one and one. Okay. I'll take that battle every time. Des Bryant had a nice catch against Elite Akeem Talib. Nice, nice job. Good job, Des. Des Bryant is useless unless it's from the 10 yard line in. He is not a wide receiver one. They're going to continue to ram targets at him. But here's the problem, Scott. There's a defensive coordinator on the other side who knows that they're going to throw to Des Bryant. And Des Bryant doesn't have the Emmanuel Sanders, you go this way, I go that way move. He doesn't have the Antonio Brown, plant your step, turn at a 43 degree angle and put your hands up in the perfect spot. That's not his game. His game is leapfrog into the end zone on jump balls. That's the thing. They couldn't run the ball. No quarterback would have played well, including Peyton Manning in his prime if they couldn't run the ball. And Denver's got a great pass defense. And the Cowboys only have one wide receiver. You called it. You think the Cowboys are going to struggle this year? I'm coming around. They're in trouble because this team, if they're not going to run the ball as confident as they have in the past, and Ezekiel Elliott, who knows what's going on with him, they have one receiver. They don't even have a second receiver. So I don't know who they're going to throw to. Jason Witten, which has been an excellent call by you, by the way. 10 receptions, 97 yards and a touchdown. They're going to struggle. Very frustrating. Their defense is not good. Teams can pass on their defense. But this is not a Dak Prescott game. He's fine. Name another quarterback in this case who had eight yards rushing from Ezekiel Elliott that would have thrown for 300 yards and three touchdowns against Denver. The answer is no one. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm down on Prescott. I was going into this year, but I don't put, I don't put this loss on Dak Prescott at all. He, he got no support in the running game. And yeah, as far as the second receiver, it may be Jason Witten. I mean, listen, Des Bryant's second in the league with 25 targets. Witten's third in the league with 22. So between them, they have 47 targets. You know, they only got 26 catches because Des catch ratio is at 36%, which you've accurately called so far this year. Yeah, Cowboys are a little bit of trouble. I mean, I, you know, it's their offense. They got the win against the Giants, but they didn't look good. And then they got here and got smashed by by Denver. And like I said, I, I don't buy Trevor Simeon yet. I am leaning towards C.J. Anderson. I know we've seen it before, but I, I think he's falling into that situation where he may be the de facto and the pure number one back. We I mean, see it on the road, but I'm leaning that way. I like Sanders as well. Uh, Demarius Thomas, I think, will be fine also. Sky, ready next week, Monday night, Dallas at Arizona. Who are you taking? Straight up. <sighs> That's a tough call there. I uh, right now I would take the Cardinals. So will I. I trust, I trust the Cardinals. I trust, I trust the Cardinals defense. Um, that would be the the only really reason why in this game. That's that that's got sixteen ten written all over it again as well. Another that'll be another thrilling uh, primetime game we get to watch. Scott, let's finish it off here. How about a little game that just ended? Giants Lions. 
Yeah, listen, uh, Giant fans need to need to start worrying. Uh, I talked about this last week where I thought they might be in panic mode in the tri-state area. Well, it's time to start panicking a little bit. Giants fall 0-2. The Lions go on the road, win this game 24-10. to They beat the Giants. This game not really that close. Matt Stafford, very impressive in this game. Giant wide receivers, unimpressive. Brandon Marshall, again, a no-show. One catch for 17 yards. Odell Beckham played. He had four catches. Sterling Shepard had two. The running game for the Giants was non-existent. The O-line stinks. Stafford only 122 yards and two touchdowns, but they won this game pretty handily. Marvin Jones with a score. Eric Ebron with a touchdown. The Lions got a punt return for a touchdown. Manning throws 239 in the score and a pick. Evan Ingram gets his first NFL touchdown. The Giant offensive line is no good. And right now, the Giant wide receivers are no good. And the Giant quarterback is no good. There is panic to be, there's panic that it's warranted here. I know it's only two games in, but this is two games. This offense has now scored 13 points. They got a touchdown from a rookie tight end who was left wide open down the middle of the seam here. And Eli Manning, if you watch this, almost overshot him and missed him. He was open by 20 yards, and he almost overshot him. It was a great recovery by Ingram to make the catch. How is that if possible? Not- the guy's an athletic freak. He's going to be a mismatch nightmare. How is that pro- possible? We don't need to build the offensive line, Scott. Just put more athletic freaks. Manute Bowl, tight end, incredible matchup. Listen, we, we talked about it with the Seahawks. They haven't addressed the offensive line. I can't figure out for the life of me how the Giants haven't. This is a team people talked about going to the Super Bowl, 12-4, and 13-3. Well, folks, they're 0-2. Super Bowl. 0-2. <laughs> They just lost at home to the Lions, and I think a lot of people didn't respect what the Lions did last week. And listen, well, Scott, stats, have, Scott, have Paul Perkins do? <laughs> yeah, Paul Perkins, <laughs> not, he didn't do much, and it was a lot of shame for Reed to get, and it was also a healthy dose of Orleans Darkwa. The bottom line is the giant offense right now is unwatchable. Eli's got happy feet. The receivers are non-existent. Brandon Marshall has one catch through two games, or two catches through two games, and this is one of those I talked about earlier, too. I, I did not think he was the automatic impact player here in this lineup. He's getting older. They want him to compliment Beckham, but if Beckham is not healthy and he did, you know, he had four catches, he didn't play the entire game, he looked like he had a limited snap count, you have to be worried if you're a Giant fan. Again, I know it's only two games, but, man, for a team with so many expectations around the league, you're 0-2. Luckily, right now, the division, the Eagles are 1-1, one and one, the Redskins are 1-1, one and one, and the Cowboys are 1-1. One and one. But right now, you know, we're, we're, we're four, two games into this. You know, to me, you know, after two weeks, the Eagles are, you know, the best team in this division because they beat the Redskins on the road. And, yes, they lost to Kansas City, but they went in there and put up a big game and lost late on a touchdown. So, Giant fans, you should be worried a little bit. Boy, I'm so shocked, Scott. Let's see. Terrible offensive line. Didn't address it in the offseason. 35-year-old quarterback who's getting older. Paul Perkins isn't really fast. He's not really elusive. He's not really strong. Let's make him our starting running back. Brandon Marshall brought him over, never throw him the ball. And instead, in the first round, let's take a tight end who's simply going to be a mismatch nightmare. And oh, by the way, I can't miss this opportunity, Scott. Second year removed from Tom Coughlin. What did I tell you about that? Yeah, well, I, you know, you're a big Tom Coughlin guy. You're a big BC guy. And, and, no, but to be fair, Scott, any veteran coach, I'll tell you this. The Steelers get rid of Tomlin, let's say, hypothetically. The next year, they'll be good. The year after that, they'll be terrible. Whenever you have a veteran coach who's had a lot of success, Bill Parcells, okay, that sort of stuff, the year after, there's a knee-jerk reaction. Rex Ryan had success with the Jets. Say what you want. Two AFC title games, right? He had success. First year, Todd Bowles. Almost made the playoffs, lost to Buffalo. Next year, horrific. It happens every time. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, and there's got to be some put on the front office here, too. Again, with the same thing with the Seahawks, I mean, you knew what your need was. Your need was offensive line. You have an aging quarterback who's he's a great postseason quarterback when he gets there, but he's not going to get there if you can't protect him or he can't have time to throw. And even when he had time to throw tonight, he was getting sacked. And then the giant defense gets a turnover, and what does he do on the very first play? He throws the ball behind, surprise, surprise, Evan Ingram, and it's picked off, and he gave the ball right back to the Lions. It, it just made no sense what they did. Look, Evan Ingram may be, you know, a wide receiver playing a tight end position and may be a good football player. He just was not what the Giants needed. They needed someone to play the tackle position, and I don't know where they're going to find it, but they better find one soon because if not, it's going to be a long year for the Giants. All right, fourth quarter, let's do it. All right, so first, congrat- congratulations to you, Scott. Big week for you, 3-1. and one. You are ahead of me in the picks at 4-4. Four and four. I am 3-5 and five with a brutal, brutal week. Well done. You're in the lead there. Let's move on to the games. I'm just going to name the game, Scott, and give me a quick sort of fantasy thing that you think the fans should watch for as we move forward. Okay, sound good? Thursday night game, Los Angeles Rams at San Francisco 49ers. Fantasy and back in 30 seconds. Go. Todd Gurley impact, Carlos Hyde impact. The two guys you'll focus on outside the box. I want to see what Jared Goff does again. I want to see if he can put together a nice game on the road, and see if you know he continues moving forward. Um, but for me, as far as fantasy impact, there's really two guys you're focusing focusing on. It's Carlos Hyde and it's Todd Gurley. Next one I'll take. It's in London, Scott. I've learned one thing: weird things happen in London, Jacksonville, of course. At home, basically, in London against Baltimore. This is my rundown. I think you're going to want to see the Jacksonville defense away. I think you're going to want to see Javorius Allen versus Terrence West. Who's going to get the carries there? Jeremy Macklin, is he a play? Is he not a play? Not a lot of stuff outside of that. I think it's pretty much a stay away and weird stuff happens. So I guess I'm calling what's got the Chris Ivory touchdown right now. <laughs> uh, next next one I'll kick to you. Denver at Buffalo. Denver flying high. 2-0 and at Buffalo. Bills have a chance? Bills have a shot. LaShawn McCoy goes over 120 in this game. Uh, that's that, that's what I say there. And I think this is a big spot for, for Trevor Simeon to prove if he can actually be a factor down down the road. He's played well in two games at home. Gets a shot on the road. The Bills defense, the Bills defense has been solid. They, kept, they played really well against Carolina. And they played good enough against the Jets. So LaShawn McCoy over 120, big test for Trevor Simeon. Carolina at home against New Orleans. Carolina's 2-0, New Orleans 0-2. I know the revenge games have not gone well. I agree with you on that, but I'm calling here the Ted Ginn revenge game. I think he's going to score. Carolina, I like Jay Stu. Cam Newton, I would stay away. Drew Brees is throwing it enough that he's got to be involved. Don't touch those running backs. If you want to play Kamara as a flex in a PPR, I guess. And Michael Thomas should recover too. So Saints on the road, at home, outdoors at Carolina. Tricky game here, but Panthers could go 3-0. Uh, next one for you, Steelers. Go to Chicago. Chicago, Steelers, Black, both teams. Any chance? Yeah, this is the game that the Steelers offense opens it up and explodes. Le'Veon Bell has his breakout game. Antonio Brown will catch eight passes. Tariq Cohen will now most likely be the only guy. I expect Jordan Howard to miss this game. So now let's see how Cohen does as the only guy in the backfield. You know, with, I don't know, Penny Cunningham maybe gets a touch or two, but this will be Cohen's team there. Uh, big game on the Steelers offensive side. Uh, Brown, big game, Bell breakout game, Ben three touchdowns. 
Atlanta goes to Detroit in what should be a definite high-scoring game. No Vic Beasley, so I think Detroit is going to roll. As you've been high on Matt Stafford in Detroit, I think this is going to be a very, very high-scoring game. I don't see the running game here. Stay away from the Lions roulette of the backfield. No one cares about that. I'm not buying Eric Ebron with his touchdown today. You can take that and do whatever you want with it. Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, I think you got to start. And if you feel good for Kenny Galladay, he gets shots. I call him Babytron now, Scott. Babytron for Kenny Galladay. And, of course, for Atlanta... Would I start both backfields? I certainly would because I think they catch passes. Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu if you want. But the thing to keep an eye on is Detroit has been awful, Scott, against tight ends. They were again tonight as well. I think Austin Hooper bounces back. The Browns go to Indianapolis to play the Colts. 0-2 Browns, 0-2 Colts. Something's got to give, Scott. Yeah, something's got to give, but I don't know how much it's going to give from a fantasy standpoint. (laughs) Isaiah Crowell is probably a play. T.Y. Hilton, I think, will bounce back. Um, you're not playing either the quarterbacks. You know, you're not playing Frank Gore. Jack Doyle, I guess you could play Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle, I think, again, like I said earlier, is a safe play. But man, this game, you know, pair of 0 2 teams, Jacoby Brissett versus Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, yeah, this one won't be uh, on my TV screen much on Sunday. Tampa Bay goes to Minnesota. Fascinating game here for the Vikings. Who's going to be quarterback? Nobody knows. Tampa Bay comes in. Let's see how they do on the road. Tampa Bay's got a pretty good defense as well. Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, are they for real? I think you got to watch that. Mike Evans versus Xavier Rhodes. That's going to be a lot of fun. Quiz show. Is he going to get in the end zone again? Jameis Winston, is he going to be accurate? Fascinating here. Both defenses should be interesting plays. I'm not sure how this is going to go. I think something funny is going to happen here. But the big guns certainly are going to be there. You're going to play them and hope for the best. Next one, I think it's the safest survival pick of of the only one, Scott, in week three that I feel comfortable with. Patriots at home against the Texans. Talk to me. Yeah, this will be, I mean, depending on how many people in your survivor pool, this will be about a 70% gain. I'm sure some took them week one against Kansas City. Uh, Look, Texan defense is good. They may be able to keep them in this game, but the Patriots will win this game. Uh, what can you really expect from the Texans? I mean, they have no run game. Lamar Miller's been terrible. Deontay Foreman's unproven. DeAndre Hopkins leads the league in targets, so I expect him to get another 10 or 12 targets. The question is, can Watson get him the ball? I don't think he can. Uh, Brady will be Brady. I have a feeling Gronk doesn't play in this game. So yeah, you play your Patriot guys, regardless of the Texan defense, they'll, they'll win this game going for, going away. Miami going to the Jets. These games are always frisky, Scott. I think Jay Cutler's going to take it, though. The Jets are going to make a stand here. They're going to want to beat their rival badly, but it's going to be Jay Ajayi early and Jay Ajayi often. If that offensive line for the Dolphins is healthy, Ajayi's going to run all over this team. They can't run on – the Dolphins have a good rush defense. They held on Melvin Gordon as well. You can't run on Miami. It's going to be very difficult up front with Sue, so the, the Jets are going to have to pass it. Tough game here. I, I, I would play Cutler. I would certainly play Ajayi. Parker, Landry, everybody on the Jets. Maybe Forte if you wanted for receptions, but that's about it. Giants going to Philadelphia. How'd you get this one? Woo! <laughs> this, I'm telling you, Giant fans, you might be staring on three in the face. If Carson Wentz can play the way he played against Kansas City and the Eagles bring the pressure on this against this Giants offensive line, this is could be the makings of a very long season for the Giants. Uh, I like Carson Wentz in this game. I don't like any of the Eagle running backs. We don't like him at all. We never will. Zach Ertz is a must-play again. Eric Ebron had his way with this giant defense. You know, this fantastic giant defense that's, you know, a little overrated in my opinion. So Ertz is a play. On the Giants side, you can't play any of the running backs. And Beckham didn't look healthy tonight. Marshall's non-existent. 
I don't know if you can play anybody on the Giants side really this week. So I like the Eagles in this game. Ertz, another big game. Carson Wentz, a big game. Don't forget Evan Ingram's a matchup nightmare. Seattle goes to Tennessee. I'm calling this one right now. I think Tennessee rolls. I don't care who the running back is. I think Tennessee's front front defense is very good. That front seven, Russell Wilson's going to be running for his life. He's got Jimmy Graham injured. Chris Carson, I understand he was picked 269, whatever he was. They're not going on the road to beating Tennessee. I think Tennessee had a hiccup early on, and I think they're starting to roll. Big game for Mariota here. I think he's a low DF, um, uh, DFS pick. I think he can have to do some really good things. I like Rashard Matthews. I like Delaney Walker. Tennessee going to win over Seattle coming coming uh, West Coast to East Coast at the 405 game. Next one, Cincinnati, Scott. You buying this? Green Bay's a little banged up. Maybe no Jordy Nelson. Maybe no Randall Cobb. A.J. Green, Julio Jones at a big game. You buying? Bengals have a shot here at Green Bay? No. No, they have no <laughs> shot. They have, they, they have no shot in this game. Listen, you got people in the Bengals locker room calling for the Bengals to sign Colin Kaepernick. They're not even calling for A.J. McCarron. They're now calling for Colin Kaepernick. This is going to be the narrative all year long. The team struggles. Let's call Colin Kaepernick. He spoke. He's ready to go. The Bengals, this, the way this organization is run, listen, we talked about the offensive coordinator losing his job. The clock is officially ticking on Marvin Lewis. It has to be. This is it for Marvin Lewis. The Packers just got blitzed on the road in Atlanta. They will come back. They will beat the Bengals. The Bengals will be 0-3. Rodgers will do what he does. Ty Montgomery will do what he does. I think Jordy Nelson sits. I think Cobb plays. That's the way I go. Either way, the Packers will have their way. A.J. Green will put up his numbers. The, pa- the Bengals will score some points. But if you don't want to go Patriots in your survivor pool, I'm calling it now. This is the other way to go. Only thing of Marvin Lewis, and I get it. He's been on the hot seat. I understand that. The playoff game run, the whole thing. The problem is you get rid of him. This team's 0-16. That's the problem. He, he basically is keeping the team afloat. I understand they're not doing anything. So what the heck is six and but, three? But he's, keep, he's keeping them afloat for what though? What, what have they done? They, they still can't win a playoff game. They got the most, you know, disruptive locker room you can think of with the players on this team. They bring in Joe Mixon to be the starter. They don't know who's running the ball. They got a three headed monster. Nobody's producing. What is he keeping them afloat with? I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, to me, yeah, he's had some good years. He's gotten to the playoffs, but this team is. This team is on the verge of having a really bad year, and I think at some point you got to cut bait. I mean, when does it happen? You got it only happens when you have a guy to replace him. Don't just make a move to make a move. If you got a young guy that you really like and somebody you're targeting, it's fine. You know, it's not going to be a college guy. The Chip Kelly and Steve Spurrier experiments went and it came and went. So you got to have a guy in the um, in the in the back there that you think can do a good job. If you do, then you make a move. Uh, next one: Kansas City and the Los Angeles Chargers. Kansas City going against the Chargers. The Chargers really should be 2-0 and or at least be 1-1. and They had a tough time with the kick, the kicking, as you mentioned. Kansas City coming in. This is a good game. The Chiefs here, they could go to 3-0. and They could have a tremendous start. The Chargers are really fighting here. This is a team that thought they could win the division. They are now 0-2. Only about 12% of the teams make the playoffs from 0-2, and almost nobody makes it from 0-3. So I think you're going to get a live performance here from the Chargers. I look for a big game from the Chargers here. I think they're going to pull this one out, but this is going to be a great battle at 425 East Coast on CBS on Sunday. And the last one on Sunday, Scott, the 8.30 p.m. game, your Washington Redskins at home against the Oakland Raiders. Can Oakland keep it going coming cross-country against the Redskins? Yeah, this is a nice, fresh matchup on a Sunday night. You're so used to seeing Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, this, that, the other thing. You get the Redskins and the Raiders, not a matchup you see often. You know, the Raiders have been great coming on the East Coast. They talked about it last year. They were 4-0 on East Coast games. They came across the country again, beat Tennessee uh, week one. I have a s- funny feeling that that streak comes to an end. Totally I don't know, I well don't know why, I totally but agree. I have this feeling that the yep, Redskins I'm will win you. this game in prime time. Totally I mean, agree. I think we need to, you know, if Rob Kelly's out there, th- 
that I think that helps. We need to know who the the running back is going to be. But there's just a feeling I have. I think the, I think the Raiders come out here. They'll come out a little flat. I mean, it's a prime thing game, but I just expect them cross country here. It's got to catch up to them eventually. Raiders are a three point favorite. Hint: This could be a route I go, similar to the way I went last week. Um, but I think the Redskins can win this game. I think Jamison Crowder will have his game. I think Terrell Pryor will also have his game, and Kirk Cousins will finally put up numbers that are warranted of him finally getting a long-term deal. Just tell me right now, you're going to let me get P. Ryan on the waiver wire or not? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're going to be one. I'm going to be two in the priority, right? Be, <laughs> That's true. You're yeah. going to be 12th on 11th because I think yeah. we both put up you're the biggest block again. I know, you son of a gun. I know you're going to block me. All right, the Monday night game, Dallas and Arizona. Scott and I already talked about it. I like the Cardinals here. I think Dallas is in a free fall. They're going to have to do a lot of Ezekiel Elliott. Who knows? I mean, maybe something will come out. He won't be there. Or he's going to be suspended. Who knows? The problem is this. Patrick Peterson's going to lock up Des Bryant and limit him, and we're going to go back to the same thing. Scott, who's the second receiver there? Me and you? There isn't any, and that's the problem. I do like Chris Johnson here. I think he's a guy who could ha- get into the end zone there. You may even like a- uh, Andre Ellington. He'd get a lot of PPR points here, passing out of the backfield against the Cowboys. CJ Anderson had a good job. Maybe Ellington actually comes through. By the way, one of the mystifying things that happened all last week, and I don't know if we talked about it, Larry Fitzgerald, Scott? That's Larry yeah. Fitzgerald with Novante Davis. Do terrible. That was, a, that was a DFS killer for me, but I think he bounces back here at home and has a big game. So Dallas and Arizona finishes it up. Yeah, that's and that's what Palmer throwing for 330, and Fitzgerald only had about 20, 20-something yards of savings. Again, that was the J.J. Nelson show, but I'm with you. I love, love the Cardinals in this game. I think for the Dallas side, Jason Witten has the potential to have another game because the Cardinals struggled against Jack Doyle. Outside of Des Bryant, Witten's been the guy. I mean, I know he's getting up there in age, but 22 targets through two weeks, that, that means something. Yeah, but this is a big test, man, because the Cardinals are really stingy with Matthew against tight ends, so I think this is a really good test for Jason Witten. Yeah, well, Jack Doyle at 87 yards, so we'll see what happens. That's true. Very true. All right, folks, that's it. Uh, you can always follow us on at P-U-T Blitz. You can follow Scott at S-C-O-T 557. Myself at Randall Rand. And make sure to visit RandallRant.com. We've got a bunch of stuff up there for you. Our picks. Scott put his DFS lineup up there. He'll do that later in the week. And I have my rankings up there as well from Fantasy Pros. And if you like what you hear, folks, iTunes, five-star radio, five-star rating and a review, we would appreciate it. I hear the music, my friend. This was a fun one. Oh, my goodness. I'm exhausted. But we'll refresh and replenish and come back and give you a preview of the games on uh, Friday morning. What do you say, Scotty? I say let's do it. Giant fans, don't jump off the cliff yet, but you're getting close. Oh, and three. Carson Wentz. Do it. Do it.